All right, in classic fashion, we are running a little bit late, so I think it's time for us to get started. Rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. I'm excited about this episode. Are you excited about this episode? Uh, you could say that. We have perhaps... What kind of endorsement is that? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was trying to contain myself because we have perhaps the handsomest guest that we've ever had. I'm really excited to have, to have Jason on. Uh, TDC Jason is your screen name. Uh, Ass-kicking competitor. Finished more consistently than almost anyone else in the Master Series qualifiers and then put on a great show at QuakeCon. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, listen to you guys, uh, you know, every time you put this out. So excited to uh, be on this end of it. I am so sorry. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I just did it in the, in the last couple of days just so I, you know, fit it in to... Be a completionist. No, uh, no, you guys are great. See, this this is why I like Jason because, like me, he is a glutton for punishment. <laughs> he plays these long, daunting control mirrors yeah. with flair and style. He listens to our podcast, knowing he's got far better things to do. I have better things to do. <laughs> Unlike our champion, he went through all the trouble of sending the giant oversized check home so that it could be in the background, oh, dude, that is which so is sweet. something I totally would have done. That's so sweet. Yeah, so I mean, where where do we begin? Like, I is we've heard that you played one of the qualifiers from a campground, like roaming on your cell phone. This is how much you were into making it to QuakeCon. Yeah, um, you know, I feel like you know some of those consistent consistency finishes were in part because I didn't qualify for the first time. <laughs> like like <laughs> other folks. But yeah, that was that was tough. The the third one was um I ended up getting beat um after getting one point, which ended up mattering. Um I got beat by Santos Vela and I was at a campsite near uh um near the little Miami River in Ohio. Um just on my phone, like just sweat dripping down trying to trying to play. And for those of you that you know play mobile, you know that you get sometimes get that glitch where there's a, a kind of a magnifying glass. So it's hard in the shadow lane to actually grab the the rightmost uh, creature. So there were some attacks that I had to make, and like some plays where I overwrote uh, creatures specifically because of the glitch during the tournament, which was unfortunate. Um, but I mean that match didn't matter. He just he, he beat uh, Santos Vela beat me in some pretty epic fashion but uh but yeah it was exciting uh you know the coming and going of my family just watching me just like huddled over the phone just like for hours hoping and then alternating and going into the car to to um to try to charge the the phone a bit because the solar charger wasn't working yeah oh, it was uh it, it was a uh, quite a quite an experience uh, I mean that is that is such a cool story. Like I, I just I love the uh, the image. You know, there's the smoke, there's the the pine needles on the ground, the rocks, the tents, and there you are, and it paid off. Like you ended up making it to QuakeCon, and and we're responsible for one of the most epic series of the entire tournament. I think it's fair to say your your grind against Turquoise Link was just something to behold. On it was some one of the most incredible dem demonstrations of prowess with a control deck that I've ever seen. Yeah, thanks. That was uh, that. That was something, you know. When he, at, during the morning, uh, looking at the the group that I was in, knowing that you know between between uh, Shinestorm and and Hack Me and Link, to know that that only two of us were going to come out of there was was rough going in. You know, I have a, a lot of experience losing to Link and uh, <laughs> Hack Me on ladder. 
So I knew it was going to be tough. So um, it was interesting the way it was structured, too, because we looked at how our day was going to be and what would and wouldn't be casted. So at the, you know, once I knew that I was going to be playing against uh, Adam or Link, um, we thought that what it wasn't going to be on it because it wasn't on the schedule because it was going to be so late. So then uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing not to not to have opportunity to kind of sit on stage and, and have this happen. But then everything worked out. So, uh, you know, we get to become the, the last match of the day. And, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things went right. And uh, and yeah, that that match specifically, the the one, the scout uh, versus uh, tribunal. Yeah. yeah. That was one where I was so excited afterward that I ended up just rewatching the entire match again. And, <laughs> you know, glutton for punishment. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it, it was exciting to see. Um, yeah. So I, well, real quick, I want to mention something that we didn't really get to cover much, uh, like when we were live with the Master Series, which is, you know, Jason was super consistent throughout. And Jason obviously showed dedication. Uh, he's playing in campgrounds, things like that. But one of the things that I think kind of got glossed over was that you were in a three-way three tie. And you had to, like, play your way in on top of it. And you were, like, part of what I consider to be the very first guinea pigs post-balance patch. Like, you had, like, what was it, three or four days after a balance patch to to then play your way into QuakeCon and then you still managed to do it, right? Like we didn't get to cover that much during the Master Series, but I, I was kind of hoping that you would tell us a little bit about how that went. And uh, and again, I just wanted to highlight it because it's one thing to be consistent, but I think people also forget that you had to earn your stripes basically a second time just to make the trip. Yeah, that one. There's a there's a story behind the way that that was structured. Um, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot uh, publicly, but the kind of the way that it went down was on that on that final day of the last qualifier. You know, I had to had to root for uh, for Caracon Jewel and uh, and Joe Trader to win to have the possibility that we could be tied for points, um, even to, to to possibly be in there. That ended up being three players: uh, myself, Frogger, and Mazaboom. Um, so then we got a note at the end of the night on, I think it was Sunday night that was like, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you guys the heads up of how this is structured for this three person playoff for two slots and we'll let you know how it works. And so then we just get a note that says by Thursday night, you have to have played one another in a match. Um, and if you don't finish by midnight on Thursday night, then you forfeit. And the, the opponent in that match also forfeits, which brought like a bunch of really interesting, uh, rule situations so so we knew that we had to then like submit deck list at some point the balance patch was going to be the next day at noon um, yeah. so we couldn't even test until then so then like a monday at noon until a wow. thursday for forfeiture um and then learning that you know mazaboom was i believe in in russia and um <laughs> And Etienne Frogger uh, was in Switzerland. So we were on, across different time zones and trying to coordinate that during a work week, also not having a chance to play. It ended it ended with me uh, kind of playing through the night on Monday and Tuesday night to just try to test things. And um, the, the way that it, it went down, um, 
was interesting in that like I, I watched all of Mazaboom's games and all the qualifiers to think that he was you know very control oriented and then figured that if I just targeted him and then just hope for the best against Frogger yeah, so right. I just made three decks that were just absurdly anti-control over the top greedy and and 3-0'd Mazaboom and then fortunately beat Frogger 3-2 but it didn't really matter at that at that uh, point because Frogger had also beaten uh, Mazaboom. So yeah, it was a really weird situation, um, but yeah, it, it, it worked out. That's a hell of a story, man. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the, I think, you know, for, for Mazaboom's situation, um, he ended up playing a Doomcrag Warrior. So I ended up 3-0-ing the Doomcrag Warrior and then so did Frogger. So I'm sure it was a frustrating day Oof. despite, you know, despite all the success that Mazabim had had um, to kind of just play the the same deck uh, six times. But um, sometimes, you know, in that, and the more you learn in, in the conquest format, you really are, you're as good as your worst deck. And yeah, um, and yeah sometimes you get preyed on in that way. Doomcrag Warrior is a deck that like in the hands of some players in some matchups looks unstoppable, right? Like from turn two, it just looks like there's no way they're going to lose. It's just going to take them half an hour. And then you put it in somebody else's hands or in the wrong matchup, and it just looks like game over from the minute it starts. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It can fall flat so easily. Um, so you really have to pick your pick your moments. And you know, watching watching Will, please don't hack me. Play it is kind of a clinic on like understanding yeah. where the when the like the value turn happens and and how things shift around. Because I, I feel like I've watched him you know a dozen times play that deck, and each time I'm like, oh, he's. He's he's going down here. Like yeah, he's not going to pull it out. And each time, just like you see that 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 one turn where things twist just enough that like now there's a little bit of breathing room and right. now he's off to the races. Yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive to watch when it goes well. But um, but yeah, my my Halalo deck that was very anti-control was running uh, three merchants camels to let you know how how greedy the Halalo <laughs> deck was. Uh, so yeah, it was it was tough for uh, for Mazabun to handle it. Okay, how do you? I was. I'm curious. How do you feel about the fact that two people weren't who qualified for QuakeCon weren't able to make it because of travel problems? I knew that that might be the case uh, going into it a little bit, but you know, when I was playing those matches, I well, one just from like an e ego standpoint, I wanted to make sure that I won it uh, like that way. Even though I, you know, I certainly would go. However, <laughs> however, they would uh, take me. Um, yeah. So you know. Uh, it's disappointing, but I, I understand with like the way that the like, the confluence of QuakeCon occurring and them setting it up on the time scale that I had. I mean, it makes sense. Some of those travel situations are tough. I know that I talked to, to Frogger and there were even concerns from like a Switzerland standpoint of, of how to, whether or not, you know, in, in with work too, especially on the later qualifiers, you know, like the, the time got real short so yeah uh disappointing that uh that they didn't get to to participate but you know the folks that uh that that were there you know i feel like there were there were 16 just you know great great people and great players and it was an it was an amazing event to be at d despite the fact that that you know not all of the folks that qualified through the through the rules made it cool yeah i mean obviously it would have been nice to have everybody who qualified be there, but I I do feel better that at least the replacements we got weren't just like random people off the street. You know what I mean? Like the they came and they performed. Uh, they did it on short notice, and that you know both Corey and Thule Deer 
in my opinion, I think they played fantastic given their yeah, circumstances. So uh, oh, the, yeah. the series benefited a lot from having uh, kind of a deep roster to pull from, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, um, it was funny uh, being in the hotel that night when when Thaldir arrived. You know, his travels were just rough. Everything was real quick, and you could just tell that, like, the traveling had taken a, a toll on him. So then, to see uh, his success in the coming days, it was just, it, it was, it was really uh, easy to root for him. And you know, great guy. And I mean, uh, Corey too, or, or Tomer, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. Uh... Honestly, my favorite part of these events, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the tournament was great, watching was fantastic, but getting to spend real life time with people who have the same passion as you, I think that's invaluable. And uh, getting those 16 players together there was just, I'm thinking particularly of that last night when we all went out uh, for wings like that, I mean, mm -hmm. like those memories, they stick with you, you know, that was an incredible time. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just awesome to get all those people together. Um, I would like to share a couple anecdotes. From, uh, from from those uh well the one of the first nights we went to a um, a steakhouse I, I tweeted out the picture but what was really fun is it was attached to the hotel we were at and, you know there's a lot of international folks that aren't really used to american customs and uh and culture so there's a bass pro shop that was attached <laughs> to to the steakhouse so as we were waiting for our seat um we got to walk into bass pro and <laughs> And for those that don't know, it's just a hunting, fishing mega store. And we walked in and someone was immediately like, next thing you're going to tell me there are, you know, machine guns for sale here. And I was like, literally look to your left for <laughs> not, not, not machine guns, but, you know, military looking style weapons, just like lining the walls. And, and you can see how wide their, <laughs> their eyes got. And then my favorite moment that I really wish I would have taken a picture of and I regret it after the fact was Frogger Etienne went over to the crossbows and he had this huge cross looked like a ballista and he put it in his arms he was like yes this feels right <laughs> that so oh sweet. man that, that, that moment of, of those folks kind of walking around you know there's eight or so of us yeah that i'll definitely keep that uh for a long time and oh yeah, yeah and the, the the wings dinner was terrific i i'm i'm still i need to bring up to dust a uh, reuben uh, you know how like I, I convinced him to try the hottest sauce that they had <laughs> and uh yeah i don't think that he was quite quite prepared <laughs> so one yeah my, one of my favorite things about dust is that uh i love that after he didn't qualify for day two he just decided to sleep in and come to QuakeCon at like 11 30 <laughs> yeah everyone was looking around like where's dust is he okay i'm like uh he doesn't have to be here he's sleeping right. in guaranteed right like yeah he's on vacation at this point yeah, yeah, cause, yeah I, I was worried too. So I went up to him and I was like, you, you know, how's it going, man? He's like, oh, it's great. I got a, a lot of sleep. You know, I wandered around. I'm having a good time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, did you guys get to explore much of the rest of uh, QuakeCon? I know I get to walk around a little bit that last day, but yeah, it was a neat, neat venue. And, yeah, it was. I mean, environment. that bring your own computer thing. I mean, there must have been 10,000 nerds there uh, <laughs> sitting around playing uh, like the LAN party. I read about what those were after I got back. Cause <laughs> the and I was like, what the fuck's a LAN party? But I didn't want to say oh, it. Like, oh, you summer child. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, uh, they, you know, they showed me some pictures. Uh, the, the article did has a picture of a guy uh, duct taped the ceiling. Actually, I guess it's a, a thing, but anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, like 10,000 fucking dudes and uh, 14 women, and then they were just all spread across this room. And it was one of the coolest looking things I'd ever seen. 
Yeah, we had a fun uh, fun time the last day where we we're kind of just killing time before uh, flights and stuff. So I, I was walking around with uh, with uh, Griffin Gasp and uh, Turquoise Link, and we were walking through all the land party areas, and and we were just like we, we needed to find somebody that was playing Test Legends. <laughs> <laughs> so so like we we found them, and then we just watched behind them, and you know just yeah. judged them. <laughs> oh man. No, no, but yeah, it was it was fun to to root that on, and uh, yeah, that was a, that was a cool environment. It's it's hard not to do that at the uh, the demo areas where they're showing off the new clients, like the, <laughs> uh, the new client. I, I wandered over there a couple of times, and I just kind of stand behind and watch people like get frustrated by guards and stuff like that. <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. But at, at the same time, you know, real uh, a ton of information provided. You know, I mean had a chance to see players and what their instincts are like oh this this should be able to drag to that thing or why can't why right. can't this thing do the thing that i expect so getting to see some of those uh you know some of those behaviors was, was interesting since i'm you know i feel like i played the game now for forever so these are so natural that you forget one of the one of the most interesting things that i noticed was watching people who'd never played the game before read unstoppable rage and then either try to figure out what it did or just break down and like downright be like, I have no idea what this does. Can you help me? But like the number of people that tried dragging rage to like enemy creatures um, was kind of shocking to me, like in practice, seeing seeing that many people. It wasn't like it was like one person. It was pretty routine. I feel like when it came out, too, there was even like a few days there when, when like the community as a whole was like, Oh, breakthrough works with this. Yeah, that, I mean, they, they changed the uh, reminder text to breakthrough as a result of people. Oh, okay, yeah. Not doing that. Frankly, I, I, was, I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like sometimes I forget what rage does, and uh, and then I learn real quick. I get reminded, like, oh, oh, thanks. Having recently lost uh, Warrior Seven with his bog lurcher uh, rage combo on ladder, you you remember quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I love that the check, by the way, is behind you right now. Like, that is a great fucking prop for this. <laughs> Can we take yeah. a moment and appreciate that helmet? Um, the the Ant-Man? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it full-sized? Like, can you put it on? <laughs> it, it is, uh, it is made out of, you know, Bondo and time, so yeah. <laughs> oh my god, All that's right. amazing. <laughs> All right, this I can't even I don't Yes. First of all, first of all, how have you not streamed like wearing this yet? Why did you not bring this with you to QuakeCon? If you would have showed up on stage wearing that, like <laughs> The only thing yeah, that would have the only thing that would have uh, been more tilting than losing to you would be losing to you wearing that. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. The psychological advantage of sitting across the stage from that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, dude, that's fantastic! Thanks. Yeah, um, before oh. the before the movies came out, so <laughs> not quite the same design. Yeah. Well, it doesn't I, I matter. Just, I just had a vision of of how we win our Emmy, Charm. <laughs> it involves that helmet and Will's dad. <laughs> I, I really want Jay, uh, Jason to make me a Juggernaut one now. Ooh, that would be great. Oh my god! You oh, can, yeah, oh. for those that uh, you know can't see it right because we're audio audio only it's the old school like 
what is that like 60s ant-man style with like the really big pincers and yeah just very very silvery that's beautiful yeah thanks we, we got a request for a shoe on the head by the way and there's no there are no shoes that i can grab around here oh that's beautiful well must uh be pre-recorded then huh must be i can get a shoe <laughs> <laughs> oh man dude so tell us a little bit about how you got into legends um i played uh I mean, I played a lot of Magic. You know, I'm one of the older players that was that was there at QuakeCon. So, played yeah. years of Magic and uh, competitively played uh, Versus System, a game that's now defunct from Upper Deck. And then uh, moved away from like the friends and the card shop that I had to Cincinnati from like the West Virginia area, and needed to play digital card games. So, switched over into Hearthstone and played Hearthstone a ton. Um, started getting like some pretty frequent um, like Legends finishes there, but nothing like. Nothing really high in, in the Legends, um, but then got, kind of got bored of the grind and switched over to Duelist, and then had a friend uh, suggest uh, Legends, and it, it, this friend tends to tra drag me into to other games, and I'm I'm real you know gullible, and you know, <laughs> suggestion works on me pretty well, so I tried it out, and it reminded me a lot of that um, upper deck uh, game versus system because there was kind of a lane system there and the complexities of those decisions just drew me immediately and then to see that the game had like a built-in card advantage for the player that was um behind i was like oh this is I, i'm in i can remember it within like the first month saying like i want to play decks that will take advantage of having three additional cards for an attempt at attrition and then i feel like i played those style of decks now for since open beta beautiful i used to love versus like for the oh. longest time when i played magic um instead of like keeping normal like one one tokens with me i used to keep dazzlers dazzler was a one one in versus and so like i had a stack like 60 of them i would take with me to magic tournaments and those would be my one one tokens when i needed them but i used to love versus i have them in the next room in fact i'll have uh i have one other cool prop that i will find uh actually i'll, I'll it here in just a moment i i won a tournament where uh fortunately i got my face on one of the versus cards oh yeah yeah give me give me 10 seconds all right 10 seconds nine eight seven six five four there we go three oh there we go so yeah for those uh looking uh there is a card called Hulk Smash that has my likeness on it of just like Hulk uh, hitting me in the face. Done by John Boy Myers, uh, who works for Marvel still. So it's definitely one of my like favorite uh, things from having played a card game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, super, super excited. I love Versus so much. I uh, got to travel for it quite a bit. Went to Australia. Oh, nice. Came in second place in a really big tournament in New York. Uh, got 24 thousand dollars from that one and you know really paid for my college so so yeah I'll, I'll remember versus system forever there's a new version of the game but it's not it's not quite the same thing yeah it was like the 2.0 and it was um like the initial set was a one-time buy-in or whatever if i remember reading properly because i was interested but then after i kind of saw how it was working it it didn't it didn't get my interest enough to give it a go beyond the initial look through and I feel like that there's something there are some aspects of that game that uh, that 
you know, legends shares. I feel like you get to walk into games with a really big built-in advantage from like a deck building standpoint. Just like it's just a huge advantage of knowing like the, the sequence, the way that things are gonna roll out. Um, I feel like you don't necessarily have that in some of the other games to the to the same degree. With versus system, I felt like a lot of my matches I went I won before I sat down. Because it felt like you could control so much the sequence in which things were going to occur. You, yeah. you get that a little bit with Legends, and it's really satisfying when it happens that way. Yeah, the only other card games that I've ever played that really felt like that, to me anyway, were ones designed by Decipher. So there's Star Wars game and Wars, um, yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? Dude. So those were games where I very much felt like things were like going my way before I even sat down because you had like a strategy and you knew what you could exploit. And like, I loved the Lord of the Rings game. I know I've said it before on the cast, but I still think that the Twilight Pool mechanic they used for that was one of the coolest uh, resource management systems that I've ever seen in a game. I recently was at a, uh, a card shop and in their like clearance area, they had this complete set of... Uh, the Decipher original Star Trek, like the first expansion, like these silver-bordered versions that weren't like playable in tournaments or whatever. But uh, I, I picked it up for like 12 bucks. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Those dead games, uh, I still love them, and I'll, I'll pick them up every once in a while when I go to conventions. I, I try to go to you know, Gen Con or Origins or some of the other largest general gaming conventions because I also really love uh, board games. And you get a chance to pick those up for cheap. And, you know, I have two small kids, so I have all of these grandiose ideas that, like, there's going to be some weekend into the future when I'm, like, I, I blow the dust off of my, like, you know, 10,000 versus cards I still have <laughs> in the room beside me that may or may not be water damaged. And then I'm just like, let's let's build with this environment. These are the only cards that exist. Let, let's play a game. That um, sounds like it'd be a great time. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, the Decipher Star Wars game actually still has a community. Like, I know the game's been shut down and whatever, but if you look online, they literally still hold events for it. They still, like uh do like rule oriented things with it like if you look it up there is still an active community for the star wars decipher game that's awesome yeah it'd be cool to be able to play that online i i would love to find a community doing the same thing for their lord of the rings game or i, I what i really want is somebody to just buy the like intellectual property for that and even if it's not lord of the rings like just make it something call it something else but make the mechanics be the same and i would play the shit out of it do you do you still have some decks for that game? Um, I I do not know. When our card shop closed down, I liquidated a lot of my inventory, but I I played an awful lot of it. So what do you guys play now when you're not playing Legends? You you are there other games that yeah that you need to dip into? I mean, I saw that you played uh, some Magic uh, Cube um, and QuakeCon. Anything else? <laughs> Uh, what, Derek, why don't you ask that first? Um, I don't know if we have enough time for me to fully answer that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of PC games that I really enjoy. Uh, more recent ones, for example, are like Frostpunk. Um, I loved that when it launched, and they recently had like a content update. Um, stuff like The Witcher 3 or whatever, like single-player mm -hmm. RPGs. I, I love those story-driven stuff. I don't own any consoles, I'm kind of dying to pick up a PS4 because I really want to play through God of War and Last of Us 2 when that comes out. And if it's not stuff like that, then 
Uh, if it's in-person stuff, I would prefer board games or card games. Like I'll play any card game basically on the planet at least <laughs> once. Um, but I like I have a big closet full of board games and it can be stuff as like simple as Settlers of Catan or even something so it's like super simple like Syro uh, um, or super complex. Like I'm the kind of person where if the game takes longer to set up than it does to play, then I'm really happy. So, you know, like 1984 original uh, Milton Bradley Axes and Allies was one of my favorite games, period, growing up, like of all time. Um, but like big, like Twilight Imperium, um, you know, Betrayal at House on the Hill, the World of Warcraft board game is actually pretty well done by Fantasy Flight, like Arkham Horror. Those are those are my jam. Like if I if I was going to pick like a Saturday afternoon to like me and like four or five other people, that's the kind of stuff I want to do. First of all, you, you made me think of something, Derek. Should I bring Clank to PAX West? I'm going to say no because we're going to be super busy and we only have the one day. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so other games I play. I play the shit out of Heroes of the Storm. I honestly play that almost every day, I would say. <laughs> um, I'm not very good at it, but uh, it, I just enjoy it a lot. Uh, I, I play some Eternal. I haven't played very much for the last few months. Um what else do I do? I play cubes on the... Uh, I play the uh, Phantom Cubes on MTGO. I like to do that whenever those come up. Especially, especially the Vintage Cube. Um, And I really like... Uh, role, like the old school role-playing games. Um, like uh, I play a lot of Divinity, Original Sin. Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll also say if you find me a group, I'll play I'll play D and D and or any other tabletop RPG you'll throw at me, like old super old school systems like original Rollmaster or whatever. I'll do like D twenty modern stuff. I'll do I'll do any of those if we got a group. All right, we're gonna have to meet up on Tabletop Simulator or something and uh, and and play something like move uh, move some of the Test Legends community. Some of those connections and get some get some board gaming on yeah cool. i mean i i'll i'll do it online i'm trying to get it set up so that i can do like live broadcasting of board games from my office like i've got a table over here and once i get the lighting worked out um i figured out a way that i can take that new camera the one i had with me at QuakeCon, uh yeah. and i can feed that as like a secondary webcam so oh, I want to cool. get a tripod for that and some lighting, and then I will hopefully be broadcasting some board games at some point. That sounds great. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Reminds me of something that I from the from the cast because um, whenever I watch board games kind of streamed in that way, sometimes it's it's really tough if you don't are if you're not already very familiar with the rules. Um, so how did you guys feel about the the cast and the? In between games, I thought to myself, I should, you know, perhaps hover over cards more because, you know, maybe not everybody knows what the what the cards are that that are watching. But then in the actual games, you know, that was out of my head entirely, and I didn't even consider it. Um, so, from from like that watchability standpoint of of Legends, I think in in general it's good. Having come from a, a previous game, Duelist, which was really tough to watch on Twitch and other things to see what was going on. How, how do you guys feel like, like that went? That's a good question. I mean, like I, we've definitely heard some, some feedback from people that we did not do a great job of explaining the game for people who aren't familiar with it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's totally fair. 
Uh, I think that to some degree we could have done better by not using like community nicknames for cards. Hmm. Um, but the another more un like less fortunate part of the game though is I think that uh, Legends in general is uh, not particular like. And this this comes also into play when I was thinking about what what the experience was like for those people we were watching try the game for the first time. The game is not like super like new player friendly. Like it's it's in, like a, it looks a lot like Hearthstone, but it is so much deeper and more complex. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that the target audience for an event like QuakeCon is going to be the enfranchised players. I think that that's true. I, I want to give a small anecdote of. Uh... And a, and a shout out to family that I had a I had a lot of people reach out to me that that told me I watched multiple hours of you doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 my my father yeah. who's you know over over seventy is just like saw you on the corner of that screen man it was it was a good time. Yeah yeah um, but yeah and then I think that I had like uh, six or so uh, family members huddled up in a dorm room where they were moving a family member in and they, they watched from there. None, none knew the game uh, at all. Um, but there were several other people that said, you know, I kind of got it. I got like the, the way that the interactions happened and the way that like mm -hmm. the life swings occurred. And, you know, they all asked me like, why, why are you always losing at the beginning of the game? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, I don't like attacking. So, yeah, Fair. I, so I've been thinking a lot about some of the feedback that we had, and I think I think it's justified, and I think there's a lot of different ways that it could potentially be tackled. Like, for example, Justin mentioned, you know, maybe we shouldn't have used nicknames, and I actually think that using the nicknames is fine as long as you couple it with the name of the real card so that you're, in a sense, like taking the player who doesn't know, that, for, that person who's watching for the first time, yeah. And kind of teaching it to them, right? To make them feel like they're part of the group now. So, like, mm -hmm. if you say something like, you know, and Jason's looking like he's going to take out that Hive Defender with a Danger Noodle, that Territorial Viper found its home, then they yeah. know, okay, the Territorial Viper is, is the Danger Noodle. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can teach them the nickname as long as you couple it with the proper card. I do also think that when, you know, hopefully by the time... You know, if and when we get an event like that in the future, I would really like an extension to be live like what Hearthstone has so yeah. that we don't have to be responsible for the hover over. Right. Mm -hmm. Hearthstone has an extension where you can hover over cards as a viewer if you're watching on Twitch and see things. And yeah. as soon as we have something similar, I think that takes a lot of the onus off of us. That being said, there was some times where. Um, from a casting standpoint, we either had time to fill or um, focused on some things where if we had more prep time, because again, we kind of talked about how it was a whirlwind to even stand up this production. Um, yeah. But if we had more prep time, I think it would have been nice to actually have some sort of either pre-recorded intro or even just like scripted intro that was, you know, even if it's just 30 seconds to a minute to highlight as you're heading into each games, like pretend you have a viewer who's tuning in for the first time even yeah. if it was just something as like, you know, both players start at 30 health, you know, every five damage they take, they lose a, you know, they lose a rune, which mm -hmm. means they draw a card. Like just a very quick, like, these are your main bullet points so that if they know absolutely nothing, they at least understand a little bit, I think would yeah. also go a long way. I mean, I don't think you have to like super dumb it down to, you know, you know, teaching it to senior citizens or something, but 
I, I do. <laughs> and not, not, not to say they don't get it, but you know what I mean? Like they're not your target yeah. audience for a digital yeah. card game. Um, so like, I, I do think that there is a lot that we could improve upon for the next time. And I think that, you know, going through this experience, there is a lot of lessons learned that we can hopefully plan for uh, if we get the opportunity to do this again. I know you uh, you guys have heard this uh, several times as well from the community, but you, you guys did a hell of a job. <laughs> We've heard just... something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it, Helen, in a very positive way. <laughs> not not as much brimstone, but just yeah. Um, it, it was a pleasure to get to watch you guys casting the um, all the qualifiers and uh, and to see you guys up there and like the prep and all of the the rigmarole and you guys just roll with the punches. It, <laughs> proud to be part of the community. Uh, you know, you guys, you. you guys are great. I really appreciate that. It was something I never expected that I'd get the chance to do. And uh, I and never, I honestly, until like a week before when we found out that they were thinking about asking us um, and during the qualifiers, like I had never even like listened to anyone do any casting before. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. I did my best and I, I hope maybe in the future I get to do it again. And I could have asked for a better partner than Derek. Like if it had been like anybody else those four weeks in LA, like I couldn't have done it because we, we came up with all these like signals and we worked out like how we were going to drive the story together and it was just a lot of fun yeah i know we've said it in the past but we were really awful in that first closed rehearsal the day before the very first qualifier like (laughs) it was was a fucking train wreck dude like like perry the production manager i know i know for a fact he's never (laughs) fully admitted it he's he's kind of hinted but i know for a fact i could read it on his face and in his soul that he thought to himself, there's no way we're going to make it through this broadcast after right. our first rehearsal. It was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. The, all, like, they, they gave us like five minutes when we were sitting in the makeup chairs and they're like, so what do you guys like? He, he's like, what are your guys' roles? Like, what do you guys do? And uh, we kind of looked at each other. And I think I said something like, well, I think he's going to be the straight man because like, I don't know the game as well as him. <laughs> <laughs> No, or like, cause he's better at this than I am, you know. And he's like, okay, cool, cause like he, like I don't know that he knew we had no fucking idea what we were doing until they put us on stage. Yeah, and we embarrassed ourselves in front of twenty people <laughs> to do the production. I'm sure. I mean, like, I'm sure you've got some stories, Derek. I'm just like, I'm. I mean, yeah, I've got some stories. I've got a, re- I've got a special request from Corey. Corey specifically in the chat says, Charmer, please tell the interview story. So one of the things that you have to know is that we coped through the qualifiers with like Justin throwing me curveballs, especially during the rehearsals to try to throw me off my game. Because like (laughs) our mindset whenever we were doing rehearsals for the qualifiers was, you know, if essentially if we mess up now, it's out of our system, right? So like we would also kind of be like a little bit pushing the envelope and a little bit more um, spontaneous. We needed to see too what ESL would let us say. Yeah, I mean, so we were pushing the envelope a bit during closed rehearsals and Justin was constantly trying to throw me off. So when we when we get to QuakeCon and we're doing our rehearsal the day before uh, the first day of the finals, uh, yeah. they, they put us out on stage for those like post-match interviews, right? Where we're holding the microphone and... They're like, hey, Justin, we're going to do like a round of you interviewing and Derek will have you stand in and pretend to be a player so that we can do the back and forth. 
And in my head, like we're standing off the side of the stage and in my head, I finally get it. I'm like, oh gods, I get to finally do to Justin what he's been doing to me for the four weeks of the qualifiers. So I start giggling and just, Justin says, hey man, are you all right? Like, what, what's funny? Did I miss something? And I was like, no, I'm just laughing at something that hasn't happened yet. And Justin, <laughs> Justin goes, oh, okay. And like, doesn't, it doesn't even click. He's just like, oh, okay. Like, like, like that's an everyday thing somebody says to you. So we, we get up, we get up there and uh, they're like, okay, go for rehearsal. And like, we both walk up to the center, right? Just like you guys have, you know, experienced when you were there. And uh, there's a camera uh, like on us or whatever. And Justin's like, Hey, you know, that was a great win. Um, I think I was supposed to be like, I like pasta or something at the time. And, uh, he's like, so tell us, um, you know, tell us how it went. And, and, uh, and I gave him a, I, I knew, I know what triggers Justin. I know it's going to set him off. And so I give him, I give him this, uh, well, first of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, nothing else would be possible. I just wanted to go out there and give it 110%. And right when I didn't think I could do it, I came in with 120%. And then, like, and then he's just losing it. Like, he doesn't know what to do, right? Like, All of QuakeCon heard this. Yeah, because it's, like, it's, uh... It's broadcast over the loudspeaker, right? Like like the event, but we was doing that for rehearsal. It's just booming through the convention center. Like I'm I'm doing like NASCAR style <laughs> and and Justin just lost his mind. It just felt so good to finally put Justin in his place a little bit. <laughs> I like, and I lost it too. Like I, 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 I was laughing so hard that I could not continue the fucking rehearsal, and I'm just like looking around like I don't know what to do. Yeah, and then in, in like classic fashion, like we get we get done with that debacle, and we go backstage, and Perry looks at me and he goes, "Good job, guys." <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it was fucking great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. Like it was one of the highlights of the entire trip for me. That's terrific. No, oh. my God. Just thinking about that, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That was a that was kind of unnerving to be uh, interviewed in in those situations. Yeah, I had such tunnel vision uh, going into it. That when it came time to like actually uh, talk to a human being after having that white noise pumped in 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 your ears for an hour or two hours, I think or whatever the match was with uh, <laughs> against Link, it became very disorienting uh, after the fact. Yeah. yeah, that match took so long. You had hair at the end. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> if not for Anasi, I would have that hair money. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that Anasi. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was in the audience for that, and uh, when the Anasi came down, oh, I knew it. I the heard it went fucking nuts. Oh yeah. yeah. In fact, there was a few turns there when, like, I would pass the turn, so I would click the turn is over, and then just like I would just listen for the crowd reaction to hear if I lost the game or not, <laughs> <laughs> because you could just tell the roar of something had occurred. Right. Right, so like yeah. when that Dawnbreaker was drawn, I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm dead, but I'm I'm certainly <laughs> dead here. Like it's over. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh God. man. Yeah, I, you know, I I'll say the interviews were really good for you because I think it for people who aren't familiar with you, it got to show how endearing you are. Like you were 
you know, win or lose, like you were just so genuinely like excited and happy and you know, it's it's a grueling experience and every time at the end you were just chipper and fun and I don't know, I, I felt like it was it was some of the better interviews that we had. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um it, it felt good to um to get a chance to to talk a little bit because I feel like it, for those that like follow the competitive scene, it was probably a couple months ago when uh, I had some really slow games with uh, Nick Sox, and I was pretty aggressive in defense that it, uh, whether or not it should get banned, like let's pump the brakes. What are the rules on when things are power enough to get banned? And I think I became kind of like a little bit of a face of a, of a villain uh, online. So, so yeah. And sometimes I think, I still have a hard time dealing with, uh, I'll say things where I think that I'm like tongue in cheek and I'm just kind of being kind of coy and it ne doesn't necessarily come off that way. Those things are all in jest and story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been a lot of really dark places in my life, Derek, and uh, the darkest place I ever go is your fucking Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> Or in person with me. You know what? I had somebody I had somebody uh, at work today, one of my coworkers, we were talking about people who tell bad jokes, and they said, but not like your bad jokes, Derek. I mean, like, bad jokes as in not funny, not bad jokes as in... <laughs> like, like, oh. Yeah. Bad jokes as in, like, the, like, uh, off-color, or yeah, bad, I, I've, in, like, badly. I've got a lot of, like, self-deprecating humor, and I've got a lot of, like, really dark, suck-the-life-out-of-the-room like, humor. Yeah, very gallows, yeah. I don't I don't know why I find it as funny as I do. And I have a very monotonous, like, just straight-faced delivery a lot. A lot of it comes from back when I worked at 911, and at this point in my life, like, nothing phases me. So... One, I get all the time that like people don't know if and when I'm joking. And then two, when you have a gallow sense of humor and you say things like that, it can really unnerve some people. My my wife kind of gets on me about it sometimes, but I can't help it. Like I find it funny. Like inside I'm laughing. You just can't tell on the outside. <laughs> so I feel like I have to address something about the tournament tomorrow, the charity tournament. And that is that we chose poorly for our decks, Charmer. <laughs> yeah. We fucked up. And if you, I'm just, I'm, I, I gotta say, you go through the, the Twitter discussion we've had for the last week about what we're playing. Let me, let me show you some of my suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> and how much more fitting for this event, it turns out, those are. One of the last, uh, where are we at here? Uh, okay. Steeler Secrets OTK. Um, support Crusader. Okay. Um, where else? Yeah, those are two of the more relevant decks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad, man. I feel bad. Yeah. It's all right. Like at the time, so in our defense for this charity event that we're going to take part in, uh, Ian Bits, member of the community, fantastic dude, is doing a charity event, uh, a tournament to raise money for children tomorrow. And I thought other people were going to take it more serious, I guess. And like Justin and I kept having this back and forth about we wanted to play memes, but we didn't want to play memes that were so bad that like it gets steamrolled and we don't give people a good show. So we went back and forth for a long time and settled on 
like decks that were like good enough to at least attempt to compete if people brought serious stuff but then we tried to figure out how to cram memes into them <laughs> you oh, know here's this, here's like we're playing guy. scout but like we're also playing scout with gentleman jim stacy like that sort on, of thing you know what i mean on, on august 20th i suggested we play tdc jason's factotum archer <laughs> <laughs> uh, later that day unite the houses <laughs> that that warriors uh seven unite the houses with uh yeah i'm using the the genius with the jarl is yeah. that, that's gorgeous I agree. I mean, it's so fun. Ooh, and here on August 22nd, I have Creatureless Battle Mage as a suggestion. <laughs> Look, it well, doesn't matter. We're going to get knocked out in the first round anyway, because please don't hack me and Endozoa brought real decks. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get, like, Assassined and Nixox comboed. Yeah. No, I yeah. think they brought, like, three aggro decks, unless Alex was pulling my chain, but I swear to God... I thought I saw him say I made us bring three aggro decks so that Will's forced to learn how to play it. <laughs> yeah. That's an uh, interesting aspect about QuakeCon. You know, the night before we were all meeting up in the hotel and everybody's just like real hush hush about what their decks are. The, yeah. the day. Even though we're going to get some time the following day to actually look at the lists beforehand and kind of digest them a bit. When that night I was like telling people like I'm I'm playing Factotum Archer like I'm just yeah. gonna run it with even as conscriptions and people just didn't believe me was, okay all right <laughs> I don't I don't think that that advantage that I that you gain from not telling somebody for twelve hours is huge but yeah Endozoa and uh, please don't hack me brought Agro Warrior uh, Agro Halalu <laughs> 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 and. Uh, a pretty pretty standard looking mid range battle mage. Yeah, we brought oh, so fucking, we brought fucking support mage. <laughs> and I I've been playing that on ladder lately. It is fun. Yeah, did, support did, mage is great. Did you see the um the Adventures of Dust uh, video of him playing yes. it recently with the what is the the face card no the flesh sculpture? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh. that's a beautiful sight. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> no it's not that's your least favorite card in the game right it's my second least favorite card in the game it plays well in this deck um i agree i, I totally agree i i was down on it the the first few times i saw it and there there are more and more situations where where you, you just have the ability to activate um supports a few times just roll some dice and if you're rolling rolling dice on like six cards at a time like you you can find some gems yeah absolutely and those are situations where the game wasn't necessarily won either um, otherwise. So it yeah. didn't always feel, I mean, it's, it's a big commitment <laughs> and it, it, it can be a pretty big <laughs> risk, but yeah, yeah. It, it's also hilarious. <laughs> so like if you're, you know, for him, for him streaming and yeah. yeah, it makes for good. You know, this is something I was talking about to, to ALS yesterday. Like when, during, when open beta first came out, like I, I remember there was a, some people were concerned that there weren't a whole lot of highlight reel cards or moments in the games being played, you know, like, especially when you compare it to the YouTube channels that cover Hearthstone, right? There, there weren't nearly as many of the like opportunities for those things to happen. And, and there's been some cards introduced since then that have changed that. But uh, a card like Flesh Sculpture is absolutely made for the streamer who is looking to, for those highlight reel moments. I think it's, I think it's great for that reason. Yeah, I feel like that uh, a dash of RNG that's exciting like that. Uh, maybe maybe Mudcrab's a little too far 
um, in that direction. But a, a, lot of, yeah. a little bit of that can be can be just a nice yeah. spice. If, game, if mud crab is too far though, then flush sculpture doesn't belong <laughs> ever. Like that's my point, right? Yeah. Well, that one you have to yeah yeah you have to work for. Um, Merchant mud crab is just so efficient and and makes so much sense in that style of deck. Yeah. That, that it, it's risky because of the number of times and you just don't have to work very hard for it. Like you, you must play it for the body and then the benefit is, you know, some something else, but you just want something on the board early that can you can leverage to get an additional advantage with some of your other tricks, whether it's weapons or, or pumps. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Mudcrab Merchant was elevated to tier one status because it carries Steel Scimitar so well. Yeah. At, at one three especially. Yeah, and it also stops, I mean, the, and there's so many ways that it can trade into, like, an opposing early thing. So cards yeah. like Endoral Mastermind that could potentially trade with, like, a legitimate two-drop if you're on right. the point, it no longer offers the trade that you thought it would. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the, just even the risk of contesting the field at all when Merchant Medcrub's there with, with a friend is, right. is tough. You just can look silly quickly. I, I liked, I was a big fan of it as a 1-3 being able to trade with Wardcrafter, too. Yeah, was, as someone that often plays Warcraft or defensively, it was a it was a brutal start. <laughs> it's like get a get a nothing, have to worry about like the world that that the mud crab has brought to them, and yeah. your your premium two drop gets gets tricked. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I I honestly think Warcraft is still one of the most powerful cards in the game. Yeah, I mean. I definitely think so. I mean, there's so many, so many reasons why, and, and it's interesting too. Like if you watch some of the games, I, I feel like it was some of uh, Will's game. You just see that, um, you know, like the decisions on whether or not you play like a um, a harpy early and then use the Warcrafter's ward on a follow-up turn instead of just jamming the Warcrafter on two. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nuance to, to to Warcrafter, and you can really, you know. You can get a lot. You can milk a lot of value off of it if, if you play it carefully, and yeah. it, it's multifaceted and interesting and complicated in the ways that you want an early card that's staple to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. What's your favorite card in the game? Um, right now it's Gambler. That okay. I want. Gambler is so cool from like a a flavor standpoint and a mechanic standpoint. I've been really enjoying playing gamblers in defensive decks. So there's a lot of the the defensive decks I play will try to play a lot of low curve um, stuff to, to to fill out those early turns and then just some like really high end. So I don't necessarily have a, have a middle in a lot of those decks. So they're more yeah. likely to play Dark Harvesters and stuff like that. And those yeah. type of cards, like Altars and Dark Harvesters and Conscriptions, they get discarded to, to Gambler so easily. And then you get to get the benefit of trying to like get that extra draw early um, to try to get the Drain Vitality, although that's out of out of fashion. And then it's yeah. uh, it's so cool that like when you have you, when you have nothing to lose, like it's, you're just free rolling. So like from a theme standpoint, uh, getting to see that, getting to see your gambler arrested and the arresting, you know, officer gets the bonus. Like <laughs> so many cool things, I like, like that. little narrative things that happen with that card that I feel like I've chuckled at it, uh, you know, four or five occasions. Ah, oh, that sounds great. Huh. There's a part of me that wants to, uh, 
have like an item card or something that says, uh, I don't know, stacked deck, loaded dice maybe. Loaded dice would be oh. kind of fun, right? Right? It's like a <laughs> plus zero, plus one, but like auto trigger any gamble effect or something. Mm -hmm. Like win, discarded, do something type of thing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes you just like, I, I don't like the fact that aggro decks beat me with it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I don't like that in general. <laughs> so like all the all the Ash Berserkers and everything uh, that that typically beat me in the Yarls. It's it's just another one of those. But uh, but yeah, from a from a theme standpoint and and having a little, it's interesting too. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, like how this game works in terms of like packages. You know, like you bring a skull package into the deck, or you bring uh, you know the the Ash Berserker plus things that can give plus one into your deck and i feel like that's the same way with the, the corner club gambler um i just every deck that has shadow shift now that i didn't before because you have to gambler shadow and you need to be able to fight field after it triggers mm -hmm. so now i just find like three shadow shifts three gamblers and like a ton of agility based decks that's interesting and it creates all this weird splash damage that was one of the cool things i think about some of my scout games um you know for one like the scout games in QuakeCon, you could tell that people haven't like played against, hadn't played against Scout in a couple weeks. So there's this like, how how do you play against Drain Vitality level three now? So like, oh maybe I split lanes, maybe I don't, and all of a sudden like I um uh, like in a lot of my testing, I didn't end up playing the the Gambler version when I was there, but like you know Shadow Shift brings an entirely new aspect to that, and there's a a whole bunch of just like reasons why like you know splitting the lanes. Uh, as scout like matters in a, in a way that it never did before. That's fair. Yeah, I remember Matt Oblivion was talking about how Drain Vitality going to only one lane had the potential to not hurt it as much as some people yeah. had thought. Because you That's could fair. like force people to split if they know you're running it and then capitalize on that. It happens a lot on when you have the ring on on turn four, where you get to play the Thorn Hiss Mage into the into the shadow to contest like a three three, and like that never would have happened before. It would have just been a stacked field that would have yeah. just rolled over your Hiss Mage, and now yeah. you actually get to strand something. So yeah, yeah, and you can tell some sometimes like opponents are trying to like outthink the room and and like split things up, and I mean, but sometimes you you know they do get punished when when they they stack it but yeah it's created a really interesting element so it's not quite as bad as i expected it to be i thought it to be totally worthless i think that the difference is that you can't make decks that like this is a drain vitality deck yeah. like you can you can casually have it be like a, a piece in your uh in your puzzle um so that that changes big there's a lot of decks that don't really only survived because drain vitality um could be so key because so i don't know how much you played like peter max's abomination deck one of my favorite decks of all time by the way yeah no i mean I, the, the deck is like brilliant in concept and execution and yeah it's a lot it's a lot weirder it's a lot harder now with the drain vitality change i feel yeah. like that's one that kind of got punished because that was a deck that was really hinged on it or like the assassin versions of uh of, of nixox other than like yeah. the various nerfs that have occurred um it, those style of decks yeah but like scout can be kind of in between like there are those games where you just you know 
Solitaire, or those games where you just like accidentally ramp and, and go crazy. How do you feel about uh, like the inevitability of rotation? Or do you feel like it's inevitable, you know, set rotation? I just want it from a deck building standpoint. I want to build new things. I love this game a lot. Like, and I love it from a, a deck building standpoint. I'm constantly at the limit of decks that are in my uh, in my dashboard or whatever, and I'm having to delete things and wishing things deleted quicker so that I could uh, make new stuff. And I feel like that type of rotation. I loved block rotation in in Magic years ago. I even uh, I, you know, I love that. I love all the rumbles that like constrain you for that way. So I, so I hope that 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 happens from a competitive standpoint. The same way that I wish, uh, you know, I mean, we I think that a lot of people take the rumbles like in that like pseudo serious like this is a puzzle. I, I, I I'm going to try to solve it. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that comes to the, like the primary competitive scene as well, getting that chance to shake things up. And I, you know, there was some criticism over the balance patch occurring. Um, before um, before this tournament and and yeah I think I did I got hurt by it a little bit I mean I can't really complain with with the results but like the decks that I play typically take a long time to um, to figure out you know whether it's going to work or not but it made for a really exciting environment you know listening yeah. to, uh, to will talk about you know how much time uh, he and and his Alex uh, put into into trying decks and it, is that feel of you know, years ago when like a new magic set would happen right before Pro Tour and everybody is just trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. And then there's a, under a cover of darkness, like maybe I didn't figure out the very obvious thing. And then you show up to the tournament and 70% of the group like in parallel figured out the, the cool thing. Like there's that that charge to it. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect uh, to QuakeCon. And I think that with set rotation... I mean, we're going to need it so that we don't see the same cards forever always. Because right now we're getting a set rotation, but it's in, like, balance patches, I feel. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily sustainable. And and I think that they need it from just a, a standpoint of, like, I just have a lot of... I have a lot of golden dust that I need to, to spend on stuff. And <laughs> we need to uh, some some content to churn out and some reasons to play and craft cards that wouldn't necessarily have been played otherwise. I think that's fair. So uh, usually in the second half of the show, we take questions from the audience. They can be about absolutely anything. They can be about legends. They can be about uh, the example of us going off the rails with this is when Frank Lepore was on and we talked about the Justice League for two hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if anybody in chat has anything they want to know about Jason or about Charmer or myself or anything at all, uh, just shoot those questions out. Well, uh, we already had one which was, what is your most creative deck specifically for Jason? I had some, um, there was a while there where I would play one deck per month on the ladder. And I had some uh, some fairly consistent finishes where like just with a weird deck that I just played the absolutely the entire month, um, got into like top 10 or top five or around that area. And I was really proud of, um, I had like a token chanter monk based on one cost actions that I was I was super proud of at the time because it was playing consistent in a way that was weird. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget the name of the card and you guys will be able to remind me. It costs two and you have to have four um, yellow creatures and destroy something. Otherwise, yeah, it uh, in prison. Yeah. Yes, in prison. At the time, in prison was in nothing. Like there was, and and granted, there's more support now for it. But I mean, it cost one and it was in there and the, the turnarounds when you would 
play uh, on like turn five, two imprisons and just clear like one of the red or purple uh, decks. Like it just, it felt like I, I got to play a different game than the other people were on, on ladder. I mean, certainly it wasn't the, the best deck uh, ever, but it was, it was solid and it was mine. <laughs> yeah. it, even though it was, I think that Justin, I think he had a video <laughs> where you played that. Yeah, and, I did. Uh, yeah, it didn't go great. <laughs> no, no. But to be fair, I'm also not a great player. <laughs> um, but like, like I said, it took. I mean, I played that thing hundreds of games. So, yeah, yeah. Nickel Queen wants to know again, Jason, specifically you. <laughs> how is your head so shiny? What is your secret? Um. Well, genetics, I think. <laughs> And uh, and I have, uh, I have I have a couple of lights, so I'm getting some Mister Clean business here. And, yeah, and I've been uh, you know speaking about being like one of the older players at, at QuakeCon, not not quite the oldest, but right right up there. Um, there was uh, there were some interesting uh, situations where folks were like traveling for the first time. Some people hadn't flown before. And um, I remember that more the next morning people were talking about like, Oh, how, how weren't you worried about your alarm? Getting set? I'm like, I just set a wake up call like uh, with the, with the front <laughs> desk and, like, right. and, and the open eyes of just like, what is a wake up call? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Whoa! You, these, these babes are, uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're new to this. This you, is, this you is gave them a wake up call for life. I know. Right. It, between that and, uh, Someone, uh, there was like, if you logged on to the Wi-Fi, you had to pay $7. And, right, right. And, uh, I was like, well, I just did it for free. And they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, well, I talked to the person at the front desk and asked them how I don't pay $7. And they just gave me a code. <laughs> and they're like, you can talk to people and they'll just give you stuff? I'm like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a rule for life, right? Like, you can ask. The worst they'll <laughs> say is no. Right. You know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went bald at, uh, at at 24, so recently seeing some gray in my beard, I, I see it and I'm like, oh, I'm getting so old, some gray in my beard. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't had hair for a decade. Like, <laughs> That's funny. I uh, Sanders really, I'm, I'm going gray, right, in my temples and in my beard. And uh, Sanders a really big fan of this, actually. She likes it. Distinguished. Yeah. Great. Now I just need to lose like 50 pounds and I'll be a real handsome bond looking gentleman. <laughs> so Gyro Captain wants to know, do you think they should print more factotums? I think that's real dangerous. Yeah. I I don't know that I would, and I'm also worried about more cards like uh Automaton. I don't know. Yeah. I, f I feel like that could I mean as long as they have that like you know, in my effect on Archer, I didn't play the five drop because it's terrible. So you need maybe a, another one like that, that like the cost is just, you know, awful. Right. And it just edges itself in because it has like a, a, a cutesy effect, like like some pseudo Galen-ish type of thing. Like just some other zone that it's manipulating in a fun way. I could see it get, seeing some play and not being oppressive, but a low drop one? Is, is going to be a problem. Like it's it's got to be up there. How would you feel? Yeah, the... Sorry, I was just gonna say, how would you feel if um, we actually got five new factotums, but it was like one for each attribute, but they were all like overly costed, but were within the theme of the attribute. 
because then you would be able to like mix things up and make it almost like because they're neutral cards right so like in yeah. my head i don't think that if you make another one you want to go down that path i think that you would want to give it some sort of identity but because the core is neutral i think you'd kind of want to share it with everyone like would you be open to the idea of like they do a second printing of fat totems but they're all like one terrible but they're at least in like colors and then you build around that way yeah i think that that would be a you know one of the good solutions or making them dual colored in that way and kind of like hug a hug a piece of the the color pie or uh or you can even do them in a way that like is the heart of factotum that it just affects all the other ones in the deck or is it just the um like you could change the the zone that that matters for them so that they don't behave in the exact same way but they still like affect one another so maybe not the next ones in hand but the ones that are in the graveyard and it's a it's a graveyard pickup one or some, something like that they don't necessarily have to exact same template i feel like that type of thing was successful in in magic for years they brought something else in that you're like oh no slivers are going to be so redundant that it's going to be a big problem and yeah. i mean in, in in some cases they were really solid but they they made them different they weren't yeah. all like add a keyword now they right. cycle or, yeah that's interesting um one of the conversations we had at quakecon that, that i really enjoyed was uh some of us were sitting around and trying to figure out what would be the appropriate cost and stat line for a, a factotum that offered your factotums a choice of ward or drain. <laughs> right? Uh, obviously, the answer is like never. <laughs> but you know, because you know, we we I don't remember what we settled on. Like, didn't we decide like one one for seven or something I like that? I offered that two two for seven. I literally was thinking two two for seven was yep. was like where I would start the bidding off at. <laughs> and my reasoning at the time when I'd said it was that it looks like it's really understated, but I was like, at seven, you've probably played two factotums by that point anyway. So yeah. it's either gonna have keywords that are amazing with it, or it's gonna have stats to offset the fact that it's gonna be a junk seven drop, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that card would be a slam dunk in the Factotum Archer deck. I mean, yeah. it was a stretch to find any way to gain life that was efficient. So the deck only really had two ways to do it. So you had to be really aware of your life total. To, and arguably, I wasn't aware enough of my life total, uh, but I thought I was. Um, but like, yeah, you had to get to choose all your early plays and sometimes like give away too many resources just to keep your life up. If, if a deck like that also got to like reliable way to have a bunch of drain, I think that I think that could be a problem. That makes sense. All right, we've got uh, Eolus TV, Sophie from a previous podcast. Shout out, hello. Asks Justin after the arena videos, what's the next plan? Oh shit. Um, what is the next plan after the arena videos? Uh, I'm gonna play conscription decks the next week. <laughs> Because I'm an animal. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I just think it's funny. Because, I mean, look, here's the thing. I did this with Nixox. I'm, I'm, I'm totally honest. I'm not a fan of, of Conscription at all. Uh, I think I've made that clear. But when Nixox, the original Assassin version, uh, I figured out how to play that. And I just re released videos of it for like four days in a row. Because I try to be a really positive member of the community. And I don't advocate for nerfs and stuff. 
I just make uh, I make my statements other ways. <laughs> so we'll see how everybody enjoys playing uh, playing conscription decks. I mean, <laughs> I look forward to it because I haven't had any problems with it. Yeah, look, it's it's not even that it's like hideously overpowered. That's not my problem with it. It's just I'm just not a fan. What do you guys think about that responsibility you have from as like you know mavens within the community that you drive? you drive the fashion like that, that you get to choose the thing that you're you know, putting out there. And then that thing now is overrepresented as a result. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> uh, Build a monster. Yeah. You know, um, CVH and, and charmer actually convinced me to play a bunch of aggro decks like a couple months ago. Cause like for the longest time I played no aggro decks on the channel. And uh, I think that was a good idea because, like, I, I recognize I have an outsized impact, and I got to uh, be responsible with what I'm doing. Frankly, yeah, I don't, I don't ever have that problem. Usually, I like, I'll be honest. Usually, if I run into a deck and I realize, like, hey, this is a list I posted like a week ago, I get really excited because that meant somebody actually paid attention. <laughs> but n nine times out of ten, what actually happens is I queue into support mage, and then I'm just cussing out Justin the entire time. I'm not playing Justin; I'm just pissed <laughs> off at Justin, and that's that's usually my experience. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think last week uh, Will mentioned that he didn't like playing uh, mirror matches, um, and 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 I love it. <laughs> I, I love that uh, getting to getting to see how we both play with the, the same thing. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, and I mean I I've lost plenty to like the Assassin Nixox stuff that that uh, I played a heavy amount of uh, early on, and it, it took a lot before I started getting salty. But eventually I got there. Eventually I felt the sting of like okay I get why people are so angry, <laughs> but uh, but it took a while. Another Justin question. What is the one joke you decided not to make in a broadcast? Um, that's a good question. I guess there are a lot of things that like I just didn't say because they would have been a horrible idea. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know how many of them I should say now. I was actually like, I tried out the deck jokes, the deck size jokes during the practice day to see if anybody ESL guys would say, hey, don't do that and nobody did that so <laughs> that's where those came from the tacit permission um what else uh yeah that's uh, i'll have to get back to you on that yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there wasn't there wasn't like a ton of jokes that we went in knowing we were going to make ahead of time anyway if yeah, that makes it was any all the sense. spur of the moment stuff. I mean, th I think that like, okay, so here's a, here's a secret about Derek and I. We're actually a lot more in we have a lot more in common than like uh, our casting during the qualifiers would let you lead you to believe. Like we're actually like when we hang out, we're talking and it's just two of us. Like we agree on most things and like we both have a fairly similar sense of humor and like we're both you know very similar guys. Um, we kind of play me in particular played a caricature of myself during the casting for those shows. Right. Like, you know, I, <laughs> because like, I think that's funny, you know, like I looked at it as like an opportunity to provide a service and that service was entertainment. And, uh, 
so the jokes we just kind of like we're two guys sitting on our couch watching a football game and that that's how our what our approach kind of was to the the qualifiers was like if we're, we're two mega fans and we know how the game works um that's how we approached it and we just talked the kind of shit that we would talk if we were just two friends sitting down watching football i appreciated the the weather reports all right so that's the end of the cast and uh <laughs> hey i thought that it was it was cringy in the way that like you could you could feel the the cringe off of like the other casters and i was like oh keep just plow through it just just uh, keep up the level and it was i i, I liked it Corey, did i steal your material from rehearsals i'm getting i don't know if that's me i'm no, sorry he's saying he stole content from rehearsals oh. Okay. Actually, I don't know if that's what he's saying. I'm just quelling your fears. I, I didn't mean to do that. If I did, I'm sorry. So uh, somebody was talking about set rotations earlier, and one of our chatters was essentially asking, um, do you think when the time comes they'll rotate out, one, rotate out one expansion at a time instead of multiple, or do you think it'll be one at a time? I, I think it depends on what the once like a regular kind of schedule happens for the game, I think it really depends on that. Um, you know, if, if like the, the clipper that we're getting large sets at, if it's, if it's like that would be, I don't know, that would affect how many get uh, changed at a time. Like there just aren't that many right now that would right now. It feels like it would just be kind of one or like the first one would probably be multiple because we have enough out but then unless the, the clip of like overall content that's coming out increases, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That would be sweet, right? I, I, I mean, it's hard to tell at this point, but like my gut tells me that I don't think it'll be one at a time strictly because um, our sets are not the same, right? When you think about it, we have small collections, we have stories, and we have big pack-based expansions. You're not going to rotate out like just Madhouse collection. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, like you're... just doing one story and then the next time you come up, you can't just do the other story and like leave the pack base. I mean, I guess you could. You can technically do whatever you want. But you know what I mean? Like from a logical, like kind of pragmatic standpoint, and to me anyway, it would feel weird to take that approach. So when the time comes, and I don't suspect that that's going to be anytime soon, uh, but like when it does come, I, I think it will come. It's an inevitability. And I think it'll probably be more than one at a time. I think they'll take things in a package. Yeah. I think it'll be like a block cycle. Yeah. The way that the magic has done it for years. I, my, my personal assumption is that the first rotation will remove, um, Madhouse collection, dark brotherhood, Skyrim and clockwork city. Because like, like we've had announced the Isles of Madness, right? And they've, been, they've announced the size of that, right? No. You know, I don't know. I was I was playing and missed it. So I no, Justin. Okay, never mind. We don't we don't know whether it's a, a pack or a story, or do we know? We know. We know, um, we know it's a story. They said that during uh, no, the, they, they the did yeah. But they oh. didn't say anything about size or, or scale or anything. They just said it was a story. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that things change a bunch. You know, I mentioned before, I just love new formats. So. 
it makes it i'm sure harder for like the balancing and stuff uh and when when things are shifting that much but it also means you have room for error you get to have uh like we talked a little bit about um over the last few months of whether or not you let like a combo just like live out its life of just like this is the month that people are annoyed with this thing or this right. is the, the two months because i can recall in so many other card games that it became yeah. like the summer of combo this is you know this is necro winter happened happened in magic or and right. I, the, I think fondly on those like eras of the game because you knew that they weren't forever so then the pitchforks were were lessened as people you know like those for, those different like environments and metas would evolve knowing that there's a plug so i mean i often like the more the merrier in terms of change yeah i'm all about change um my favorite time ever playing this game was after Morrowind came out, hands down. The, like that that period of turmoil felt like it lasted forever. It was beautiful, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. I felt like there was like an atromancer like three month span where it was just like supreme atromancer was in everything. So I felt like yeah. I played on the ladder like. I don't know, a thousand times. I can remember playing against like aggressive battle mage decks that were like prophecy battle mage that still were running like three supreme attributes <laughs> on the top end. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jacob asked, what, uh, what do you think we can do to make Monk a more competitive deck other than Conscription Monk? Wait, <laughs> did, did he actually say other than Conscription Monk? Yes, that was, that was a word it. for word. Uh, I'll lead off with that, and I'll say I think it's already competitive. I've played against two different versions of Monk in the top fifty in the last week. Yeah, yeah, I lose to it all the time. So yeah, I think yeah. it is competitive. I think it was a a, a, a taste, uh, like a flavor choice for for folks, and and you know also depended on who made it into the to QuakeCon. There are other players I'm sure would have favored Monk. Yeah. Um, you know, had even their opponents been different, because there's a lot of people that chose decks specifically on the other 15 people that were showing up. I know right. Jake Raider ha um, had like a, a long list of like all the tendencies of people, so that went into those decisions. I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly weak. I mean, I think you know, isn't that wasn't Aini the one that kind of popularized just like crushing with monk, monk strike and swift strike in there? And yeah, yeah, I've lost a lot. <laughs> Um, but that being said, I, I also like to play it with Nick Sox. I've been playing some combo-y versions of Monk. <laughs> so that can be fun, too. Uh, Chanter is really fun with uh, Nick Sox and Uprising. <laughs> One of my, like... So, I mean, like, I, there are some, some funny things you can do with Monk, right? Like, so... There's obviously the... The, the two combos. There's uh, the Swindler's Market... Leafwater Blessing combo. And then there's the Namira. Ring of Namira combo. Um, but you can also do pretty funny things with uh, Brynjolf, Master of Thieves, and Thieves' Den, and um, Torval Crook. Like, I got up to 18 Magicka on turn, like, 5 or 6 one time. Whoa. But my problem with Monk has always traditionally been that, like, I feel like yellow and green are the two most straightforward colors in terms of, like, what you can do with those co those, those colors. Um and while like they're appropriately costed, you know, like the cards are, 
So you're not you're not like like it just feels like like monk works best as like a good stuff deck, right? Like here's things that monk does. Here's the good monk cards, and like it's going to be successful sometimes, and uh, that's cool, you know. I don't know. Like I just I haven't found like a monk deck that like feels like quintessentially monk because the pilfer mechanic itself has always been so like uh, uh, unreliable to say the least. <laughs> I'm surprised that there aren't more like attrition styles that that are worth it. I, I just expected sheer point to to exist more than it does, considering how like how efficient it could be. The fact that we live in a world of like potential uprisings, there's so many ways that you can kind of just eat two up boards. And uh, we saw the 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 chanter um, was it rising of bones? What is the name of the the purple card that yeah, uh, yeah. rising yeah. of bones? Yeah, um, and considering that like you know a green and yellow are, um, have that with uh, the drain blood to get like multiple triggers, I'm surprised we haven't seen much of that yet. But I feel like we yeah. could. I feel like there's there might be a. The other day, I realized that uh, shimmering peddler and betray works beautifully together, and that was something I had never huh. even considered. I'm not until right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna go ahead and load up the client now and Yeah, start. no, right. I, I drafted I happened to draft a shimmering peddler because it was like the only like my curve demanded a two drop, right? And uh I had some betray cards. I was just like, oh my god, why have I never done this? So you know, it is kind of cool. Like Legends has always struck me as a game with enough like it, I feel like there is such depth to it. Like the the cards have traditionally been like so well designed and there's really so little power level difference between the best cards and the playable cards. Um that I love that like you can still find interactions like that this far, you know, this long, you know. Like the the number of decks that are suddenly playing Praetorian Commander, right? <laughs> Blows my mind, right? Yeah, and the I way think that's, trend. yeah. Yeah, it speaks to a you know a, a really well designed game, and that's why I'm still playing it, you know, despite the fact that like it has been a while since we had any new new content. And you know, I think that just from a, a deck building standpoint, this game is you know um, a masterpiece in in terms of like how fun it is to build stuff. And I think it contrasts really well against the two games that I've played the most of my life, playing playing Magic, where you could certainly play anything, but you're so resource restricted on how you're going to get the lands to yeah. to actually produce the things you want versus, you know, Hearthstone, the resources weren't an issue, but now you're just like locked in. And because now you have, because it's just like a sweet spot of an in-between of like, you can certainly play the cards, but you get the, all of these like cross, uh, cross usage where like, no, I can play that with that, but not that um, without the resource constriction. I, I, my hat's uh, off to them. I, 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 I love it. It still makes me like all the time. I'm like getting ready to queue for ladder. And instead I'll just hit the new deck function that happens to be on the ladder queue page. And I'll just make a new deck and just start playing that on ladder. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I thought we got lucky and, and Charmer decided to quit finally. I was going to offer you the co-hosting job. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> so this. Uh, by the way, I can't. Every time I hear the word upgrade, like, I, for years now, all I can think about is idiocracy. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> I think I think we need to see if Brondo will sponsor the podcast. That shit's got electrolytes. It's, it's what plants crave. Yeah. <laughs> We can't possibly top this one. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a really interesting question for me. So yeah. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, Jorg asks, do you think ladder is a good format? Like the monthly ladder. Oh. Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I don't know. <laughs> like, let me let me propose something as an alternative. Not saying that I think this is superior, but like, just to illuminate what I think the question is asking, right? Um, because ladder is very often about the grind, if you will. Do you think ladder is a a good way? to play and or showcase skill or would you prefer if instead like every month uh the rule is you just have to play in five tournaments now you can let's just say hypothetically schedule those at any time or whatever you can hop into asynchronous ones maybe it's like five different gauntlets right whatever the format is but like maybe instead of a play as many games as you can in a month instead you had like a finite number of games that counted towards your like end of the month ladder thing putting more emphasis or weight on um actual like wins as opposed to volume i, I guess that's an interesting comparison to just the way that rumbles are are structured and i and i feel like the competitive uh teeth are because ladder is so forgiving because it is a grind you feel like uh like folks that you know are, are more experienced and um are are more accomplished on average kind of float to the the top there and that often happens with rumbles but it's so punishing um because of that limited the same way that tournaments are i'm not sure i i, I, I kind of like both but i i feel like the latter and especially because it dominates the the stream times um on on twitch it has so much more emphasis whereas i wish some of those you know, tournament-esque and, and rumble-esque like limited number had the same type of gravity because it, it feels like the community puts more more gravity on the ladder even though each individual game necessarily matter which is weird but it feels like your performance in general on the ladder has a little bit more gravity i mean i mean i typically in the dumpster around this time of the month so <laughs> i actually hit rank three while we were doing the podcast he doesn't mean legend Oh yeah! No, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that was a, a fun thing about QuakeCon is how many players had like done friendly games in preparation, so that that folks were just like rank five and you know rank rank four or whatever, uh, while while some of us that didn't maybe practice as much were already to legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah he, that was another thing I really enjoyed about QuakeCon was watching everybody's different like prep like strategy the day the morning of you know. Like mm-hmm. how everybody was getting like the, themselves in the zone. I remember, like, I distinctly remember walking past Person of Secrets, and he's like playing something on the ladder that has nothing to do. Like, it's not one of his fucking tournament decks. <laughs> like, this was like an hour, <laughs> an hour before he's supposed to go. You know, it was it was cool to watch. Well, there was a little bit of, um, and we'll mention it a little bit last week of getting used to the computers themselves. Like, the mouse sensitivity was a was a big concern. Like, it's just different than than what I was used to. So the worry of misclicking when you're on stage, just from an embarrassment standpoint, like just so that you're not like a story um, was huge. And during one of my practice games, I think it was uh, Fierce Infinity that sat down beside me and I'm, and I'm just practicing a uh, game on ladder just to get, just to remember what it's like to click and turn, you know, like that's why I'm playing just a random and my mouse just starts flipping out. It just like, it just flutters away. (laughs) <laughs> and it just starts clicking and it's trying to concede. It keeps going to the settings. And like I I take my hand off the mouse and it's still moving. And people behind me are watching. I'm like, there's a there's a ghost in the machine. What what is what is going on? So I unplug my mouse and it's still just fluttering away. And like turns out like Fierce Affinity had like 
either him or the previous person had plugged the mouse into the wrong computer. So he was like controlling my ladder games <laughs> with his mouse. It took a long time to troubleshoot. But yeah, it was it was disquieting. Um huh. that's fantastic. But but back to the to the question about like whether ladder is the best solution. I don't know what it is, but it feels like all those other choices would be really laborious to implement. Yeah, I I think ladder's fine. I mean, I I think it does do a good job of like you end up like where your skill level like will let you to you know get. And your decks and with the matchups of the way that the current month is to take into account, because I feel I, like some months are like control months and some months are aggro months. Because I feel like I I feel like my my decks don't really change the type, but yeah. man, my finishes change based on what the predominant style is on the ladder. I feel like every season I, I can hit ladder with any kind of deck that like resembles something that is running at least like 25 playable cards. <laughs> you know, if I put the time into it. But, and I know that's the testimony too, like what we were talking about earlier about the general, for the most part, well-balanced state of the game. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know I, I don't know how much you guys talk about this, but I would really love to see some more like just limited style formats. Yeah, I really hope that the client uh, brings that type of thing. Um, you know, I would love to try some like, you know, kind of magic style of booster drafts as opposed to arena, uh, you, or try um, so many so many weird formats in old games like a, a, a mirrored seal pool, so that like let's say the morning of a tournament that everybody gets access to the same like. I don't know, 200 cards or whatever, like various amounts. And then everybody builds their same single deck from that. And then it locks in at the beginning of the tournament. And then it plays through like a bracket system. Let, you know, like let, those type of limited formats I would love. Let me throw this out. Maybe, they, maybe they're not for a full month. Maybe they're like for a week or something. But what about time-limited uh, sealed uh, and or like arena and or draft or whatever, but like time-limited ladders for your limited decks right like you were just talking about a pool imagine like an nfl style fantasy draft but with legends cards right like there's a pool just like you said you throw in 200 cards or whatever and then uh you you get people you know they pick their decks they draft or whatever and then it runs for like a week go i mean i would be i would be so in could you imagine like how fun it would be if if they like added a couple cards to the pool every few days so that like people got to like change their decks or something like there's so many cool ways that you can do that and have just like a like a, oh i'm waking up to see what the new oh everybody can put these other two agility cards in or maybe we should yeah. switch the decks to to purple now and then people responding to like what people played the next day supposing it didn't lock in i would but, love this yeah i would love this uh, i mean I, I i personally love limited i mean it's the only kind of magic i play anymore i would be in Interesting. One of the things that um, I, I don't, I can't, don't see a way that this can happen right now. So, like, suppose that we did some type of like outside of the client, just like agreement uh, of like a pool, and we're we're trying to make something. There's there's no way to like make a thirty card deck that you could actually play against a friend, right? Right. On there. So like you're forced into like the fifty, which kind of changes the way that things work. Yeah. So that that part's a a, a little more difficult. So. All right. That's a good point. This is a question I've been dying to get to. It's from Maricon. 
aka Paul, we love you. Always and yes. forever. Yes. Didn't uh, he make Clank? Yes. Yeah, um, uh, and a, a number of other games. He's just great. That's amazing. Yeah. So he he asked, based on my personal play history versus TDC Jason, his win percent on ladder is close to 100%. So why <laughs> did he not finish number one? I've never understood this. Well, there's this there's this uh, cat lady that uh, caused me to lose some money in at Quaycon, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it, it, there's an interesting dynamic, and I talked to a few different people at Quaycon about that. Is that everybody kind of has their foil on ladder? So like, I lose tons of games to to Will uh, Hack Me or Warrior Seven, um, and there are other players where I feel like I kind of I kind of prey on because their styles tend to on average you know play poorly i tend to play like the deck that that like kind of go over the top of control so um i know that what's his name blackfall he, he defriended me after we after we played a few games and i i'm not one to uh, yeah I just, that's i wouldn't take that personally <laughs> okay um but it was, it was really <laughs> like, i kept going over the top of tribunal and and like you just create like a foil type of situation so when you yeah. queue into somebody you're just like oh you know, Ionie's got me again, like, oh. Oh, I, like, I know what you mean. My yeah. foil used to be CVH, and it didn't matter what he was playing. I would always lose to CVH on either, like, a Last Rune Prophecy or by, like, three health, like, consistently, back when him and I played during the same time of day. Um, but conversely, at, at least early in his career, um, now, similar to CVH, I just don't play at the same time as him, so I don't run into him often. But, like, early on when he first started playing, I used to be Link's Kryptonite. Like, there was a night on stream where he was in top 10 and I beat him five times in one night. Like, <laughs> like it was just brutal. And now, like, I'm pretty sure it's flipped. And I, I think the few times I do run into him, he, he rolls me over. But I do know what you mean. Like, there are certain times where, like, you see a name and you see it a bunch of times and you're like, oh, like, this is either going to be a really good matchup or... Yeah, CVH used to be my foil for sure. Um... And like I said, it didn't matter what he was playing. It was just always, he always just had, you know, it was either like we were both playing mid-range decks and he would like have the ring and a couple of like just the right answers at the right time or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's nice too that sometimes when people su surprise you, like, you know, occasionally, like on the very rare occasion, I'll bring an aggro deck. You could, I could tell that people like kept cards that they probably shouldn't have because we played on the ladder so much. Uh, right. And I had an interesting ladder match against, uh, 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 Kirikon Zul uh, the other day where um, he's playing Telvani and I was like this is these are some weird card choices but I, he he loves like those like silver bullets and he played one of it was in Telvani and he played like the 10 cost singleton card the what I was like you that is the most Karakani type of deck I've ever seen that, that's amazing I think he was prepping for the charity tournament because I'm pretty sure we're running into that oh gotcha so yeah sorry if that's spoiled or anything but like yeah it was it no, was actually excellent the lists have been revealed we can tell everybody what we brought okay sorry i didn't see that no yeah yeah we very disappointingly brought support mage so that's a that's a plus no flesh sculptors right no no actually there's a there's this line in our in our discussion about this where charmer says something like destroy that card or something like that yeah <laughs> delete it yeah uh, and then we also brought 
Uprising Scout and Combo Telvani. <laughs> what does your Uprising Scout look like? What is your um, early game? Uh, it's got Gentleman Jim, so it's not exactly stock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember saying that. Yeah. It also, it, it, here's the thing. This will tell you about our early game, Jason. It has no tree minders. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I think that that is, that could be kind of a legit choice because sometimes you actually need to fight early. So sometimes that is like a low to the ground choice and not necessarily that you just don't yeah. have low cost stuff. That makes sense. Yeah, we're going to do our best. I mean, gonna we're going to get knocked out in the first round. <laughs> One hundred percent. Um, our uh, our Will and Alex's uh, decks, kind of what you'd expect. No, they are three. They're well, it's two aggro decks. Oh, you said it's the yeah, Halalu and Warrior aggro and um, mid range battle mage. Hmm. There, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. <laughs> it's gonna be fun to watch you guys. I'm I'm excited to to tune in. Maybe we can get. Maybe we can cast some of the later matches. <laughs> so, uh, we plan plan the cast. Yeah. So trying to get caught up here because uh, we have a backlog. Uh, question for Jason: Do you have any lingering desires to even our score? This is from Will. Please don't hack me. Champion, oh. previous podcast guest. <laughs> I thought that I was well positioned uh, to play against his ex. I feel like. Um, the, because I mean I went in like my my plan was to try to beat Tribunal and I felt like I had a list that um, that that could and and have a have a decent shot. So when I saw his his major list, I thought I I think I could probably feast on that. Um, so then I almost had uh, I don't know if it was almost a reverse uh, sweep, but like we played the very uh, beginning of the first day and and he won three two and i lost a game where i like couldn't get any removal with the with the archer deck i just lost to like a five six like the phalanx or, or whatever oh, i just yeah. couldn't remove anything even though i got a corner club to trigger so i thought like this is this is terrific this is a, a for sure winning situation and then uh got ran over so when i knew that like we were getting real close to possibly have a rematch i thought this is this is gonna be pretty sweet. I'm 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 ready for this, because um, I felt like I felt like I had some, made some earlier deck choices that were going to benefit me. It did it didn't end up working that way, but uh, but yeah, I thought that 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 would have been great if if some butts. <laughs> if wishes were horses, right? Yeah, we all beat mistake. <laughs> is that how that goes? Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't that from like a? I I feel like I've seen that on. Uh, yeah. So somebody asked, "How soon do you expect to see Isles of Madness ballpark it?" I, I missed that. So, uh, I mean, I'll. Question for Jason. I'll. No, I mean, I, I'll. I'll ballpark an answer. Sure. Uh, sometime after it's done. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This is your version of uh, what I did to you at QuakeCon. <laughs> Pretty much. Man, I'm gonna. Now I'm just thinking about Will's lineup again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, and now I'm just mentally going through each of our each of our games. So yeah, let's talk about something else. So I I lose <laughs> out of my uh, out of my crawl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
again, I'm trying to get caught up on the uh, the chat. Uh, windows are shut now. Hopefully, people will no longer hear the crickets. I had my headphones on, and I didn't realize that they were as loud as they were. Um, so yeah, that was, was a thing. It was super offensive. Thank you for dealing with it in a timely fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we have a question for Jason. When using conscription factotum archer, is the optimal route always attrition, even against other control or conscription decks? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I think that the majority of the time it is. It really is a battle of... I mean, you have to be flexible enough to to realize you know what type of draw you have. It's a sh it's a shrine battle early on. The same way that the Doomcrag deck um, almost always is based on like access to shrine and, and and triggers on it. You have to make your decisions. There's sometimes you have to cut bait and just push and for just hoping that that it could possibly go away because it's the only available line. But the majority of the wins aren't going to come otherwise. Um, Otherwise, with that deck, other than attrition, there there becomes a situation against control that happened with in the link match where you recognize that you already had the conscription in your hand and you're going to need to have room to play the things, and you've already played enough things that if you if you don't push, you'll never have room, and the conscription is is always dead. So you have to start attacking just just so that they remove and, and give you room, and you have to really identify that on like the the eighth turn. Um, so that you can actually put enough pressure that it, that it's worth them to ever contest that side. I think that's solid. Um, yeah, but in general, I, I mean, I, that deck doesn't have reach, not really. So, like, you got to be cautious. <laughs> so, so you're not gonna you're not gonna win, you know, any any early game beauty contest just because you cleared their board and giving them one card is devastating. That's fair. So, great, great question. Um, somebody asked if we think there should be Tessel Vanguard-style events. Um, I assume he's referring to the old Vanguard, uh, that's a, like, that's magic format. Right? Yeah, so, if you guys card. are not, yeah, if you're not familiar, right? If you're not familiar, Magic the Gathering used to have this format that uh, you would have a, a card with you, and it would change... Think of it as like selecting like um, like an avatar, right? But it would change your starting stats and abilities for the game. So you might have one where it's like your starting hand size is three smaller and you start with five less health, but all of your resources like produced double. Or you might have like extra starting cards in your hand, but like your passive effect wasn't as good, right? Like there was all these uh, Vanguard cards that were printed and then the way that it worked was you picked one and you would build a deck around that. And so it offered some like, you know, flexibility and whatever. Um, I personally think that that would be really cool to do in something like Legends. And I think you could accomplish it by like you would just showcase the Vanguard cards, if you will, in the form of supports, right? Like they would just take up a support slot. Uh, and be indestructible, just like in some of the story missions. And they could do things like make you start with more cards. Maybe you start with more runes. Maybe you start with less runes, less health. Um, and then it either gives you a passive effect or maybe it's because, again, it takes up the support slot. Maybe it's something you can activate. Um, I think that it's a really cool idea and something that could be explored for some interesting custom game modes. 
Yeah, I, I could imagine you like take a key from like the hero powers in in Hearthstone a little bit. Um, I could also imagine some really cool ways where we were talking before that like limited format, like the week long. Could you imagine if it was you know you know how Steam sales work and they have that like kind of arbitrary? You choose a team and then throughout the week, like your team wins or not based on I don't know purchases or whatever the the, the Steam. Um, sale thing is could you imagine if it was like everybody's choosing between like these five different heroes from the latest story expansion and for that week you just play a bunch of like ladderish type of games getting points for your clan and like there, you know there's team like yellow and team whatever yeah. and then you watch that go up and down throughout throughout the week and it creates this weird like camaraderie maybe you get like extra bonuses if your team is is the victor i could imagine some really cool situations like that and especially if you implemented like some small support that like kind of like turned the turn the key on some like creative situations and got people really excited for like a pack expansion or or some other story mode where you you then get to feature and like spend your week rooting for these characters in a way that you don't necessarily do in mode even though those are very engaging um yeah, yeah. not quite the same i like that a lot i think it would be kind of cool if we had you know like maybe they revealed you know five or or 10 vanguards, if you will, for lack of a better term. And then they, they did it with a gauntlet, right? So it was a, you play three runs and each of your runs has to be with a different one. Ooh, right. Yeah. So you, yeah. you reward some diversity in deck building, but you also get to play with some new tools, right? Like, I think that that kind of event would be really neat. Mm hmm. Hmm. Or you, yeah, you could also structure it almost the exact same way as Arena, too, where it's just you just choose going in and then do a normal Arena thing. Like, you can imagine a lot of cool ways that that could go. Yeah. It's interesting, too. It kind of shows the, I would assume, the uh, the age of the, the questioner. <laughs> yeah. Magic has had a commander and like that type of thing, <laughs> which is, pro yeah, it was just kind of the same thing. Or vanguard that throat that as it, and now i'm thinking about squee and the weather light and yeah. listen man i've got i don't know if you've ever seen it jason but over here it's not hung up yet in my office because i'm still unpacking but i've got this giant like wooden plaque from the magic arena season of 1997 like with oh. the different phases and like i'm on there for like most creative deck builder or something but yeah like that's awesome you all know what i was doing in 1997 <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. Yeah, all right. <laughs> to be fair, I know who Squee is. I've read about it now. Yeah, he's <laughs> a goblin nabob. Nabob. Oh, and he's got regalia. Like <laughs> he's got nice robes. They're durable too, because he just keeps coming back. Yeah, in fact, the uh, um, I attended a couple of uh, Magic Pro tours, and the first one I qualified for was with was on the back of Squee. Yeah. Uh, Really? I use it with survival of the fittest for okay. slivers. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, good question we've got from chat here. This is from Joe Trader. That oh, name shit. sounds familiar. <laughs> Ladies love cool James. Uh, That's right. <laughs> he he specifically wants to know what you think, Jason, about the fact that Hackme threw away his novelty check. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Because you have yours proudly displayed, like it should be. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, this thing is just mess. If 
if you would have seen like the initial problems that uh, Baldir and I were going through to try to make sure it shipped without getting damaged, I think it was probably a pretty understandable uh, uh, situation. In fact, we don't know about this language, so it's funny. Um, but he has the trophy, so I think that yeah. that's a total, totally valid choice. If it was me, I would have kept everything. I would have, I would have kept like the disposable coffee cups from the hotel if I won. <laughs> I would have just like had like the towels and everything, like all the pens and notepad. I would have just kept everything and just yeah, just, that's the type of thing you want to remember all the pieces. If if it was me, I probably would have kept everything as well. Like obviously, having the trophy is awesome. But any any opportunity for somebody to give you an oversized check, I think you have to keep it because then, like, how do you not take that with you to the bank? Like, every time you go to just be like, do you guys cash this? Like, That's my exactly bank what... my bank would be so <laughs> tired of me because I would take it with me every time, right? That's exactly what I said to Will. And then he said something like that made me realize that Will is young enough that I don't think he'd ever cash a check. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that's Definitely fair. Not. That, it that was, happens. It was, it was super cute, honestly. Yeah. Do you guys care to tax this? Can you guys go ahead right. and use the bank? Yeah. Just tax the crap. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool, too, because I was outside the venue because um, I was communicating with, uh, with family, and I didn't realize that there was anything else going on, and I got, like, a WhatsApp communication from Etienne uh, uh, Frogger just mm. saying, come back in, they have a check for you. I was like, that's quick. I've never seen a payout. Like you expect like a 90 day turn or something like that from a corporate standpoint. And then I got in and it was a huge ass check. And I was like, oh, this is, this is terrific. That's a, such a fun way to do this. So I really appreciate that they went the, the extra mile to have that done because they certainly didn't need to. Um, so right. really neat. I mean, it could have been just smaller versions of that same badass trophy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think foam core is probably more cost efficient, but it's still really neat. That trophy is so cool. It was. It really is. Like I remember before we knew, like I think it was during the qualifiers, I'd put on Twitter, you know, if the, if I find out they have a trophy, I'm gonna be mad I casted this because I just won a trophy. And then nobody told us if there was actually gonna be one or not until we got there for yeah. rehearsal. And then right, I saw it on the stage, yeah. and I, like I was like, "What is going on?" I was so angry. <laughs> they didn't they didn't unwrap it until the next day, so we couldn't get any photos with it until you guys got to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did a good job. I mean, from a from a participant standpoint, I I thought all of it was top notch. I mean, the food back there was was terrific, but just like every every bit of it, the way that the um, the stage was set up, the way that the way that you guys, it felt like you guys like nailed down the practicing and when it was going on, it felt like things were just moving and very few hiccups. I mean, other than some like technical issues with, with the sound, everything just, it felt like a, a living machine and it was, it was great. So Nikami wants to know, what do you guys enjoy most playing? Um, Anything that doesn't attack, bro. I feel like I feel like we're like brothers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's scary to attack. There, there are bears out there. You don't, you, you know. Yeah. Um, in Santa, I think it was Santa's fellow that was talking about just like some 
kind of bad beat stories over prophecies. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that's like, man. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have prophecy bad beat stories, really. Um, I mean, I lose other ways. I just get run over, but yeah. I, I mean, lately it's been either Ox because I'm late to the bandwagon. So I'm still learning how to pilot the deck and I'm having a lot of fun in the process of learning. Um, but on my lunches and I'm on mobile, I obviously can't play Ox on mobile properly. So I've been playing a lot of Assassin and uh, it used to be like one of my favorite classes to play, period. And I am very, very glad that uh, after seeing Endo take his list, I was like, I want to pick up Assassin again and give it a go. Uh, it's been doing very, very well for me and I'm having a blast, so... It's interesting. I've got a deck specifically for my phone and then one for when I'm on PC. And they're wildly different play styles, but I'm enjoying both of them. You crushed me during my lunch break the other day. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a brutal victory. Um, I was walking around downtown Cincinnati on my lunch break just getting crushed by Derek. Yeah, I was on lunch break too. And then I was like, oh man, I've got a good opener. And then you you kind of stuttered for a minute. I was like, he's got no hope. Like I had such a good hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played a Daggerfall that never got to attack. It just got shackled every turn. Yeah, like, like turn he played Daggerfall did not attack. Yeah, he played a Daggerfall to contest and it never got to swing. And then it was it wow. was just over. So it's uh, it's I've been enjoying that a lot. Um, there was before, I mean, to kind of come full circle with the talking about the, the, the camping trip the, the week before um, I was like playing all of Frogger's decks um, because I thought that there's no way on mobile I could play control decks. So I got like a like half a weekend of playing like super aggressive decks before I was like, I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play this at all. I was just losing. I mean, partially, I'm sure because I just played it poorly from from. You know, not being a good aggro player and not having experience with it, but yeah, that's not the way I like. So I switched back. <laughs> um, somebody asked, "Did you guys have to play with uh, white noise when on stage?" Yeah, and it was it was weird too. I think that we'll mention a little bit about it last week, but it was that I could you could almost tell what the casters were saying like you couldn't but it was so close that if you if you tried to focus on it you would go mad and and like miss the turn so like you had a tunnel vision and i um i played with the with the game sound on and i, I don't like earbuds typically and i almost never play the game with the with the game sound on so it was it was it was foreign so it was a it was a weird thing where like right in front of you is like the game portal what the game is and like the tunnel vision was kind of immense because of like the 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 seclusion and then there was a camera person floating around to try to get the the other like little emotional shots in between so yeah it was a it was a weird setting and i was i, I felt fortunate that i was i was so tired that it was easier to like to zone in <laughs> <laughs> to, to like ignore everything else because I felt pretty exhausted. That makes sense. All right, we've got. Uh, which do you guys prefer more, Gauntlets or Chaos Arena? Um, Chaos Arena. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Chaos Arena. So, not not my jam. I just I lose to like the animal lane enough that I'm just like. Not, I. Not, uh, I mean, like. 
when we when they do those epic rumbles or whatever where it's 12 games like the last like three in a row i've gone 10 and 2 like i, I enjoy them i enjoy competing in those um but chaos arena is just it keeps it, it's so fresh every week it's always something different that's i i gotta go with chaos arena personally um i think for me it's probably gauntlets but the special gauntlets so not the ones that mimic ladder but kind of give you deck building constraints just because it, it's enough to shake it up but i i also really enjoy deck building and kind of theory crafting and so uh oh there was a notification i wasn't expecting um so like even if i'm not doing well in them just the process of like having to try something new i i really enjoy that i agree with that completely what was the notification what i miss it was on my machine i was i think getting a youtube notification but oh my god you got a subscriber uh i did get one earlier um, holy shit yeah thank you brandon mercer <laughs> your checks in the mail yeah we also got a uh we got a we got a twitch sub earlier uh, again notifications are off when we do the recording but uh grognak 87 we did see it we do appreciate it they'll be back on after the official recording when I play some ladder games and fail. Uh, let's see. I think we're close to caught up. Sweet. It's good times. <laughs> oh, that's if you if you're not familiar, that's code for Justin is tired. Look, yeah. guys. Look, we got a tournament in the morning. We got a we got a loot. We got a win some kids some money by losing to endo and hack me <laughs> it's important so um what's what's the best way for me to to give money to this cause is there a, a link that's provided you guys shouting some stuff out how's this work i'll be honest i have absolutely no idea yeah I there's my entire time prepping for this by trying to convince charmer to bring some work <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's um there's gonna be like in the chat a thing that you can type to have the links come up um ian bits is going to have like a link on his page i believe as well and i don't know if he has already but i think he was going to tweet the link um but like he's got the info and where you'll be able to go and donate and then it's all going to go to uh i believe saint jude's as part yeah. of the uh like tech and junk thing so i i probably should know more details it would be the responsible thing but i'm gonna be honest he said hey you want to do a charity thing and i said i'm in right like <laughs> that's that was the amount of recruiting it took so <laughs> here's how my here's how i got recruited armor sent me a message and he's like hey uh ian knows that you don't really respond to messages and so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's talking to me i was like oh, okay <laughs> Yeah, that's basically how that went. I was like, Ian wants to invite you to a, uh, a charity thing because you're known, but I'm your secretary. It's hard out here, man. <laughs> well, it's uh, good of you guys to participate in that. I really uh, hope that it's a, a, a huge success. Yeah, me too. I think it's a great idea. Like, I... I've Sandra and I have talked about putting together or putting together to doing a, uh, a charity stream. Um, 
and I think this is great. I think turning this platform for, I mean, like, frankly, I think that anybody who has the time and, and oh, for just the time even to, to spend money playing Legends and watching people play Legends, I think we can funnel some of that energy into helping people like we totally should. So, I'm typically a, a free-to-play uh, charity giver, so. <laughs> but uh, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll change a little bit. Cool. I did, actually, now that I think about it, when uh, shit was go- I, I say this when shit was going bad in uh, Puerto Rico, as if it's not like still a fucking trash can fire right down there. Uh, <laughs> I did donate the revenue from the channel to the Red Cross one month. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Some sometimes I really like it when you say like, "Thanks, brother." And then other times, I'm going to be honest, like other times you say it, and in my head I hear Hulk Hogan. Oh, Oh, brother. Yeah. I mean, like, I say it. Let me tell you something, brother. Fuck. (laughs) Justin Larson's going to go wild on you. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) I've been taking my vitamins. (laughs) Saying my prayers. (laughs) yeah as a child of the 80s yeah i appreciate everything about that (laughs) yeah fair enough oh all right so tomorrow hey speaking of matt nass coming in with the the host uh tomorrow the charity event is going to be at 12 30 uh eastern time so half hour afternoon noon 30 eastern time for the people who want to tune in for that again i highly recommend it um if you're listening to the audio version of this unfortunately um the event will have already passed sorry but by the time by the time that this like renders overnight and then gets posted it will likely be either ongoing and or have already passed so know that there was a charity event and if you missed it it is all the more reason why you should follow at least justin on twitter if not myself because we <laughs> notify people about these sorts of things um, and jason jason is on uh twitter uh, he yeah. posts uh, lots of like inspirational stuff, um, very handsome selfies. Um, <laughs> you, you'll learn that he's actually from Cincinnati and not Texas, like I said during the Master Series. I, <laughs> I, w- I want to say too, Jason, just real quick. It, it was a, it was a it was a privilege to meet you. I had a great time chatting with you and getting to know you uh, when we got lost in that uh, Uber. Oh my um, goodness! <laughs> yeah, we didn't even tell that story, but yeah, that was great. And uh, and I really look forward to seeing you at some more Legends events in the future because I think you're a great player and a, and a great guy and, and someone I look forward to uh, hanging out with again. Thanks. Yeah, this was a this has been a terrific ride so far, and yeah, I, I hope to hope to be in the community as much as I can. Hope play unfortunate in future tournaments to to get to participate or they're close enough that I get to attend, whether or not I'm uh, allowed to play. <laughs> but yeah, this I mean, you you guys were terrific and so so was everyone else that that i met there so that i'm definitely gonna remember that uh, all those details for a long time yeah well now that i know that you're actually in ohio (laughs) 
Uh, it might be an excuse to do something a little more local since I'm in the mitten. Whether or not that's like as silly as like a Wizard World Chicago or maybe a Gen Con, you know, exactly. or we got some places we can like meet in the middle. So I go to Gen Con just about every year um, and go to Origins occasionally as well. So I'm always up for uh, for for some games. I know what those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in fact, that was an interesting discussion. I mean, uh, Link, also um, a big board gamer. So, you know, I discussed how fortunate I am to live like an hour and a half away from Gen Con where where 60,000, you know, gaming participants show up and just like take over that city for the for the weekend, um, you know, around the beginning of August every year. It's a a great time. I mean, QuakeCon was also uh, fun to see, but, you know, Gen Con dwarfs it in size you I, I think it was last week you were talking about other potential venues for the the, the tournament setting and and I, I feel like they probably need to do tests legend tournaments where quake or something else is going to happen but if they're just looking for like the raw number of people to see something um gen con is a is a terrific place to to check it out i know that the last few years i've went to the um the digital booths in hopes that there was some presence and yeah, I think it would be awesome to do something like that maybe at a Gen Con. The, the biggest potential challenge is obviously set up, right? Like there's not, you know, there's not like the stage and like the computers. Like, let's be honest, Gen, Gen Con is a much more table friendly game and like that doesn't have the technology to support it. But it would be really cool. Like I mean, that, that's your, yes, that's your audience, right? Like that's your target audience. Those people, if you were going to try to hook some people into a digital card game. Yeah. That's, it's something to think about actually. That's interesting. Yeah. I saw some other ones uh, represented there. So when it happened, I was like, no, this, people are trying the wrong thing. <laughs> Come on. So I'm just like playing Tesla legends publicly, just like walking around with my phone. Like this is, this is the one. <laughs> All right. Do we have any last final closing questions for Jason, Justin, or myself so that we can let Justin go to bed because he's fading? <laughs> Justin was Justin was sleeping like half an hour ago. Yeah, that's true. I know. I can see it on your face, dude. I know. You know, you know how like when kids start to get tired and you're like, you're tired and they're like, no, I'm not. But they're totally 100 percent tired. Like yeah. I can read it all over your face, man. That's me. Um, I want to do like a kind of a, a special shout out to some of the folks. I mean, everybody, like I said, was very personable and, and terrific there, but a few other people just like, um, you know, spoke specifically and suggested that I try uh, streaming. So I've, I've done that now a few times. So I know uh, I'm, I'm going to for, forget some folks. I'm, I'm sure if I start mentioning, but I know that Dustin and, Griffin, I think I talked to to Swaterman and uh, and Santos Vela and some and Link and, and some others about like the structure of how it works and stuff. So I, I just really appreciate that push in that direction because I've I've really enjoyed it so far. So thanks, folks. Zombie Hunter nine by nineteen. Uh, the bookshelf was a gift for my in laws when we got married. So rapid fire, Jason, how much do you work out? Um. I, I'm a little injured at the moment, um, but I mean, I typically just do push-ups and pull-ups, so um, do those like three or four times a week. 
Yeah, I'm also injured, and my leg's been acting up something fierce today. Yeah, I was running uh, twice a week, at least a 5K each time, um, and I ran a half marathon a few uh, months ago, and I was hoping to November run my... Um, I, I recently lost uh, about 100 pounds in the past uh, year, so I looked quite a bit different when I was playing uh, Elder Scrolls Legends during close beta. Um, so yeah, but my, my knee's been tricky. Yeah, my, my knee and my hamstring on the same leg are jacked from previous injuries, and they've been flaring up something fierce lately. Um, we've got a, if you could nerf any card right now, uh, what would it be? And the same with a buff. So if you could nerf one card and buff one card, what would they be? I know what I I know what I would buff for sure. I would buff the um, the four cost that gives you an elixir. Um, the two two, I would make it like a, a two three or something because uh, where I'm playing a necromancer deck in a support spell sword, and the card still wasn't worth it. Oh wow. So and it, it was just it was almost strictly worse than camel, um, in the deck. Which, and I feel like the cards that I would nerf would be camel or Endoral mastermind. They just they create some redundancy that I think ultimately hurts the game. They're very fun to play with, but I think that I think that they're problems. That makes sense. Yeah, that's really uh, it's really interesting because mastermind is one that's been on my mind a lot lately. So um, good. Because it's really good uh, for what it does. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I called it the best rare in the set, I think, when the expansion came out. There was a moment where I didn't think it was real. I thought it was a uh, um, like a Reddit-produced uh, one because it, it felt like it felt too efficient. Um, and I think it's proven now to be just, you know, it, it enables some things that, that those classes just didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I, I love like I love the idea of it being used in some magical fantasy land where it's just a tool for niche discard pile manipulation decks. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, the case. <laughs> right. Like I think that you would need to print like you know in tomb basically for that to exist because as it stands, it's just like the most effective card filter in the game. The fact that it can trade on on occasion. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't trade like it should be silent pilgrimy in terms of that 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 cost i mean right. i agree <laughs> yeah so man i don't know what i would nerf and buff i actually th i actually think that things are really well balanced right now like as of right now the the latter i know is feeling stale to a lot of people but it's also one of the most diverse experiences i've had in a long time like when i look through my match history i am seeing a lot of different classes and then even amongst those classes it's a lot of different types like i said i played against two different monks inside the top 50 in the last week that were playing completely different decks um i don't know i, I would have to like do a hard think on that and I'd like to take back my statement a little bit. Like that was if I was forced to, right, to nerf. Yeah. Thing. I like, think I in general, I don't, I don't want that to occur. I, I could just, I could see it happening because I could imagine the desi design space like hampered slightly, and it creates some. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if I was general, the diversity. I mean, other than the fact that you'll pro you'll probably eat those words here in the next like five days, as like the number of Telvanni on the ladder is going to skyrocket. 
<laughs> as people try to like get higher finishes, I think that we're gonna feel a lot. We're gonna feel some some ox. Yeah, I, I I guess maybe I I don't know. I don't have the problems with ox because I don't see it like too much as a as a boogeyman. Because like even when I'm playing non-ox decks, I don't feel like I'm out of it. Maybe it's just me, but like I haven't I haven't like struggled to beat it when I'm not playing ox. But it also might be the kind of decks that I play. Yeah, so, that might be the case. I know the type of decks that I play just yeah it just crushes. Like I can't. Because you, you can't, can't like, attrition it, right? So, like, it's not your play style. But, like, when I'm not playing a combo deck, then I'm usually playing mid-range. Like, mid-range is my favorite play style. And I mean, like, typically either true mid-range mid where you kind of play defensive and then you, you take a point where you pivot and then start to go face. Or I really like tempo-oriented decks like Assassin. Um, yeah. But, like, with any of those, like, I never feel like I'm, like, really out of it. So, I don't know, but... Yeah, I, I'm often like my my decks don't have the tools to actually punch through, so it can be easily defended. So I'm in weird spots where I just have to hope that they didn't draw the genius path mage. Yeah, well, and it happens sometimes. I mean, it's 75 card deck, so sometimes it they're, they're bound not to draw it. It just yeah. doesn't. Seem it, if somebody was gonna like force me to choose, I, I think that's the card I would probably consider nerfing the most because I think yeah. that. I know I that I know that Nixox catch, catches a lot of flack because it's the magical manipulation and things like that. But um, Path Mage is just efficient, and and it's so efficient, and not just even in the combo deck, but it, you're seeing it in tribunal decks, and you're seeing it pop up in even some other stuff. Like even just the fact of like late game, it can generate so much value and like chain you into a board of you know four fours and. I don't know, man. Like it's the fact that their size is substantial, and like you can win the game just based on like path maging for path mages, just to to have just a sturdy board is is surprising. Yeah, I I don't know what I would adjust, right? Like if you mess with the magicka cost, that obviously does a lot to the card. But yeah. like if you wanted to play it safe and like adjust stats, like if they said tomorrow, like we're gonna make three, it a four. three three, even like I would play it at a three three. I'll be honest, like I would play that card at a three three. Yeah, I think that's true. So. Yeah, people were discussing how small the ox would need to be under the previous wording. I was like, oh, oh one? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I would have played it. Yeah, I think that Path Mage would survive at a 4-4, four, four, or a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, I just, I think that Path Mage, because when you think about, like, potential future issues too, right? Path Mage has, has like, a lot of openings for abuse. And uh, I think that, you know, just now realizing what I just said, you also have to be careful. <laughs> like, making, uh, nerfing something down too low now creates, like, a necromancer issue, which is another card that I think yeah. will probably need to be figured out um, more in the future. I think it's just going to create some some problems in, in, in the long haul. So if you made, like, a Path Mage that was an 01 or a 2-3, yeah, you could... Can imagine some situations of uh night remembering and a uh, necromancer to get back the path mage to yeah absolutely crazy so now things can't be too big or they're too good or they're too small or they're too good um somebody wants to know who are better jason or santos <laughs> hey i keep hearing i keep hearing folks say that he's the coolest guy on the planet and i you know what i i agree <laughs> yeah i really like him he's a cool guy <laughs> Yeah, 
he's nice. Uh, a great, great, great camaraderie, even though that, that we knew we were going to be opponents and yeah. had to talk beforehand and after. And yeah, he's just solid. So yeah, I think he wore it better. I would expect no other answer from a gentleman of your caliber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, secretly, I'm like highly ego. One, I think that I'm a way better at you know all the things. I'm very pretty, but outwardly, <laughs> I'm you know I'm awesome and humble. <laughs> Sweet. Well, we appreciate you being a guest, hanging out, sol- soldiering through. Well, um, all of I, the questions. I, thank you guys for uh, wanting to have me on. I feel feel quite privileged. No, I, 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 it was our privilege. You're great to talk to him. We'll definitely have you back if you ever have the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Next time the check will be larger, hopefully, <laughs> or just or just like more murdery of a implement. Listen, <laughs> it it will be physically larger. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I mean. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, uh, we'll end it here as uh, Jason puts back on the Ant-Man helmet that I still think is fantastic. I want a Juggernaut one now. (laughs) And uh, this is where we say we'll see you on the ladder, right, Justin? See you on the ladder. (laughs) See you on the ladder.